Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of that hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. I'm Jenny Hill. I'm Dan Hill. Let's get started. Episode 20, No Lifeguard on Duty, air date February 5th, 1996. This was a doozy, a whopper, a one hour and 33 minute two-part episode. But we did it all in one part. And we had no idea it was going to be a two-hour episode. (laughs) Boy, was this jam-packed. Packed with stuff, and we start right where we left off from last episode. There is a gun to Bobby and Amanda's faces. And the person that played the villain in Who Framed Roger Rabbit is Bobby's dad. <laughs> so the whole time was that's Christopher Lloyd, right? Yeah. At the end, when he's like, Bobby, why would you leave me for a woman like this? <laughs> It's so weird. Um, Bobby's like, come on, Dad, just kill me instead. And Amanda says, Bobby, I can't, I won't let you do this. Like, where is, where's the danger? I feel like if someone had a gun to my head and they're like, you are going to die. You killed my other son. It is over. There's like no stakes. Amanda's Done. just sitting there and she's like, um, actually, you think that Jack was a good person? He was an adulterer, he was an abuser, and he just wanted you for your money. Yeah, this is the weakest <laughs> mob ever. And it's very strange. Like, and I feel like if Amanda would were to step out of line to a real mobster and says something like that, she would be pistol whipped in a second flat. And man. You've seen Goodfellas, right? Yeah, I think that they're trying to do a poorly, like a poor imitation of it. But it's bad, yeah. But like, you just get whacked. Yeah, they Bobby's don't need to dad, do a monologue. Bobby's dad should be sitting in a chair with no light on it, just watching the thing, like eating nuts. And then, like, these. Like both a of henchman them, comes and does it for Yeah, him. like, both of them should just get popped in the face. Done deal. It's over. Um, but. Bobby's, like you said, Bobby's dad starts crying about Jack, and <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. Bobby yeah. says, if you need to do it, you do it. Let her walk out the door. Why would they do that, Bobby? They've already attempted murder at this point. It's very strange. And then Bobby's dad talks to him directly, and he's like, you have no honor. You have no loyalty, no respect. You never did. And then Bobby's like, Dad, I love you. And for some reason, this just flips everything on its head. The dad hearing Bobby say I love you has 
made him change his mind altogether that he will spare Amanda and Bobby and calmly walk out of the door, but, but not without saying, get dead to me, Bobby. I don't have no sons that will dead. Weak shit right here. It's so weird. And then they walk out the door and it's as if like a cable repairman has left. Bobby and Amanda are like, whoa, well, that was crazy. It's like, yeah. guys. We'll probably never see Bobby's dad again. Why not just have a struggle where he like takes the gun and shoots his dad? This was so anticlimactic. I can't even believe they made us wait an entire new episode to see the resolution of this scene. And we thought... This is where Bobby dies. Yeah. We were convinced. It was like, okay, he's going to sacrifice himself for Amanda. They're going to let Amanda walk. He's going to die. Goodbye, Parisi storyline. Right. How wrong were we? We were 100% wrong. What would you do if your dad surprised you in a hotel room and had it was holding a gun to your face? I think I would be frantic and crying Confused. Yeah, it, it's just a whole spread of emotion. Yeah, we see nothing. We see none of it. If anything, a man is like so defiant and like, I did the right thing. It's just like, bitch, are you seriously willing to die over this? And then they just hug, like we yeah, made it. I hate. I'm sorry, but this this Parisi storyline needs to die. Get him out. They're it like is termites. So mad. They're like termites eating the foundation of this Melrose house. It really house. is. It's like clear that it out. A really great way to describe it. So with that, we go to the credits, and then we're at the the establishing shots. They're really, really getting us this time. Oh yeah, and it's a rocking, rocking song. Yeah, you were really into it. I was really into it. But um, a season one butt cheek is yeah. back in the opening. A lot credits. of crotch shots. Really missed that. Yeah, really missed that was it. A good one. Bongo guy sitting on the on the street is back. Yeah, as well. Um, it's just a really lovely, lovely intro. Very long, but Brooke. We start with Brooke. She's at the Beverly Hilton in some workout gear, and it would appear. That she's been locked out of her room. Well, Dan, did you see she runs up to the front desk and totally butts in front of another guy in line? Of course she would. It's terrible. So she runs up and she's like, um, excuse me, someone needs to open my hotel room door. It seems I've been locked out and I have to get ready for work. She looks great for just finishing a run. I yeah. must say. <laughs> and you've been doing a lot of running lately. A lot of running lately. Training for the... Marine Corps marathon, and not um, to brag or anything. Yeah, it'd be my second marathon, <laughs> so I kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she's been locked out of her room. So the concierge or front desk person, he has to explain to her, um, "Yeah, that's because your credit cards don't work." Oh well, my checkbook is in my room. I'm sure I can write a check. Um, excuse me, miss. Your checks have bounced since being here. Well, this is some misunderstanding. And she even says Billy must have canceled them. <laughs> She's on to him. But I don't get this shit about this hotel. It's sort of hard for them to. What if she had cash in the room? She couldn't get to it. Well, their policy is you cannot get back to the room. 
as the front desk person said, we are going to take all of your belongings in your room and hold them as collateral against your debt. So if you do have money in your room or you do have means of paying your bill, we'll release the items to you. But if you cannot pay your bill, then I'm sorry, we're keeping the things that are in your room. It's bullshit. I don't know. That's like when the teacher takes your like video games in school, says you'll get them back in June. No. <laughs> How many times has that happened to you? A lot. Why were you bringing video games to school? Cause like I was game, bored. like handheld games, like those tiger. I'm thinking like you're talking about like yeah, I brought full, a Nintendo, like, Nintendo, Nintendo systems. So I'm like, what the no, what? just like little handheld tiger games. Oh, okay. They would catch me and take them, and then. It was a big hoopla. But like a lot of parents would like just come in the next day and be like, give me the fucking um, video game. I remember your story about your mom getting your super soaker guns back. No, that didn't. I stole those back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I mixed that up. That's for that's a story for later. <laughs> but okay. um so she is out on her ass. She finished her run. No no cards, locked out of the room. What's she gonna do? She's gotta go to work. That's where we leave Brooke. Now, we go over to Wilshire Memorial, and we find Michael waiting for Kimberly in her office. Kimberly comes in, and she's not too happy to see Michael just kind of, like, hanging out there. And what's Michael call it? Like, message mail? No, he says, you forgot to turn on your phone mail. Your phone mail. So, I had to be here to take your calls and write down your messages. Uh, Your... Um, Cynthia Cohen called. She wants to schedule an appointment. Your gynecologist called. Great timing for you getting back on the pill now that we're reconciling. Isn't this man a doctor? <laughs> like, <laughs> he has How to, does he have time to do this? He's got to man this woman's phone. And other, another question, doesn't he work at Mid-Wilshire Building? Isn't he, this in Mid-Wilshire, Dan? I don't know. No. No, she has, he has, this. she's at Wilshire Memorial, and he's at oh, Doctors, Doctors at, at Law. Law. Like, No, I think he has two off, I think he is like... He's not allowed to be a doctor I, there. Are you sure? Because I think That's he's a doctor whole, at Wilshire Memorial, and he works at Doctors at Law, too. No, I, I think that's the whole point, is that he had to go with Peter. He had to be I don't, working no, with No, I think Peter. he just wanted to have another source of income. I really think he's still working. He still works at Wilshire, babe. Does he? Yes. I haven't. We have not. Peter's not allowed to work there anymore. Peter Mm. doesn't work there anymore. But Michael does. Anyway, the most important message that he took down is that a guy named Vic called for Kimberly. Now, if you guys will remember, Vic is the crack house resident. The crack den king is back. And I he, thought he was Dunsky. He's still really into Kimberly. And of course, hearing his name, Kimberly just is terrified. And she's like, what? What did he say? And he's like, whoa, should I be jealous? Like, why are you so into this Vic guy? I don't believe this scene at all. You know why? Why? Um, because the last time we saw Vic, Jenny, Kimberly was... Kicked him in the face. Kimberly... Essentially, not even essentially, Kimberly 100% subdued Vic and knocked him out with her foot. Right. Just one foot. Yeah. She kicked a knife to her to her face 
to cut the rope off. Mm-hmm. I recall this. Yeah. She is a no more victims like Graduates. graduate. Mm-hmm. And Vic is no problem. Why is she so scared? Because he did kidnap her and held her for several days. And I'm sure she did feel like her life was threatened. And how is this guy calling her? I would be afraid. Why is this guy calling her? I'd be so, like, oh, I beat that guy up with my foot. <laughs> she tells Michael what happened. NBD. And she's like, he's a psychopath. He needs to be in jail. He tried to kill me. He should be in jail. And Michael is like, sees an opportunity here. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move you into the beach house. I'll be your shadow. You'll never go anywhere by yourself again. We're going to move you into the house you owned previously that I live in for (laughs) free. That somehow I now have taken over. (laughs) And um, we're not going to take any chances, okay? I'm going to be your protector. And he says that he has, I guess, a patient that works at the police force that he can pump for more information uh, and to his offer to live at the beach house, Kimberly says, I'd rather take my chances with a homicidal maniac. Boom. And then Michael leaves this scene saying, you know what, Kimberly? One of these days, you're going to wake up and you'll see me. me! That's scary. <laughs> that is kind of weird. One of the days, one of these days, you're going to wake up. You're going to see me. All right, next scene. Amanda is waking up in a urine-colored crush velvet robe. (laughs) As what a weird choice. Seriously, what is this fucking thing? It's seriously the color of piss. (laughs) She's in a piss rub, a mustard, mustard mustard-colored robe, a honey mustard urine, (laughs) and. uh, Amanda wants to talk to Bobby about Vince. Well, about what happened but last night. He's, she's yeah, like, she's um, like, Bobby, I think you need to open up to me since we almost got murdered together <laughs> by your dad. And then Bobby's just like, mm. it's his dad's name, Vince. I was just I like, so. Bobby's dad. Bobby's just like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that too much. And then Alicia barges in and she is very upset and concerned. And, and Sorry. Bobby says, my father loves me. We're connected. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Um, now, we learn from Alicia that his father is selling his shares of the cable company, meaning if another party were to buy them, Bobby would lose control of the company. So Alicia is very concerned. And I want to know, when did Alicia become like the... The head of Bobby's Cable Company. Why does she have such a vested interest in this? Isn't she just like an attorney on retainer? Yeah, now she'd be like full-time Bobby. Like it's all about like Bobby's Cable Company and like she has an office there. Yeah, she got Matt out of murder. (laughs) You know? Yeah, she's a defense attorney. Yeah. Last time I checked, they're not like private. Yeah, they're not doing like business I who knows I am I do not pretend that I'm an attorney or know anything about it but it just seems like the specialties are different yeah let's head on over to D&D Brooke comes in the the bullpen we'll call it and um to talk to Billy um she just comes straight to the point what did you do to my credit cards 
Uh, well, Brooke, it was a joint account, and there's nothing joint about us anymore. And then Billy, Billy suggests for her to use the ten grand that she inherited. And she says, you know that I put that on a down payment on my house, on our house, and I lost it because it was non-refundable. Um, well, thank yeah. you. We have been talking about this for episodes upon episodes. What happened to that house? She said she yeah, bought it. the house? Why aren't they living in the house? Why? Like, what's going on with the house thing? Well, there you go. She put $10,000 down and lost it all. And Brooks, she says, oh, this is the real you, isn't it? A heartless bastard. Allison sees this whole thing and asks Billy to cool it with hating on Brooke. But Billy says that she's a survivor and that she'll land on her feet. What makes Billy think this? Yeah, she just she tried to not- kill herself mere days ago. If by survivor he means she survived a, a suicide, suicide attempt, attempt, then yeah. Yeah, I, I guess she is. I guess she is a survivor, <laughs> but like, as far as like real world living. Like, I can get through this. Nope. No. She's not doing so hot. And my, I, I get what they're doing here with Brooke, but my problem here is that like Brooke throughout Melrose Place has had a job and had a job for a long time. And she had a promotion with, uh, in, within D&D. She worked before D&D. It's very hard for me to believe she didn't have her own lines of credit. And it's very hard for me to believe she has nothing. How do you have nothing? Maybe because it was all tied up with her dad's stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with you. It is very implausible, but this is the world in which they've built and what we need to believe. She has like zero dollars. She's got nothing. She's got 10 bucks in cash that was in her sports bra. That's it, baby. But like you've been getting checks every two weeks. They're spent. Did you get two? Do you get two weeks checks back in the 90s? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. You got checks at some point, but she probably spent it. How does she pay rent? She's living check to check. Maybe Billy took care of all the financial stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Billy didn't even know what a credit card was. <laughs> three oh, seasons ago. Allison had to like get <laughs> Yeah, it's like what's a credit card? I think I need a credit card. I think I need to get a credit card. <laughs> Can I just borrow yours? What? I totally forgot about that for the yeah. comedian to like yeah. get her car. Billy's fucking stealing money from Allison <laughs> to help little fucking Martin. Remember Martin? <laughs> Why don't you get it from Dad? Yeah. Why don't you just ask Dad? <laughs> get him to pay for the car. Dude, okay. like Billy doesn't you don't know shit about money. How would Billy know how to cancel okay, a car? Okay, maybe I'm wrong, babe. In this world, Brooke does not have two pennies to rub together. Okay? She's she is flat broke. That's unfortunate, man. Very unfortunate. So they are like just pissed off at each other. And that's where we leave them. Now, Peter comes into the law offices of Alicia. <laughs> Which is now coincidentally in the offices of Bobby Parisi. Because didn't she have an office before Bobby? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're at different offices, but 
Peter comes in and he's flirting with her. They're talking about like past relationships, talking about how Bobby had a thing for redheads. And that's when Peter's like, I'm a brunette man myself. I fucking hate Peter. (laughs) I like Peter. Peter walked into this scene like a goddamn game show host. (laughs) He's like so just ugh. I know a lot of Melrose Place fans really enjoy Peter. I love him. I do not. I love him. And while he's in the office, Alicia gets called up by, I guess, her receptionist saying that Bobby is on his way up. So she's like, um, Peter, can you go out the back way of my office? I don't want Bobby to know that you're here. And he's like, what? You don't want you don't want him to know that you're mixing business with pleasure? You know what Peter is? Peter is a, like, a high-rolling stalker (laughs) like he's a business stalker he just shows up places constantly like on amanda's car like at amanda's work and he's always and then he he's doing it with alicia he's like why aren't you calling me what bro that's your game this is this is not game it's working this should be called i'm calling this the hard stalk that's what this motherfucker does to to women. He like, and then he preys on them. Don't like it. Well, Alicia's feeling it, and he's like, "Okay, I'll go out the back way." A little danger adds more spice. Yeah, she's clearly ashamed of you, bro. <laughs> she's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I haven't been calling you. I'm very busy. By the way, other human beings are coming in." Please leave. I do not want to be associated with you. Yeah. You got to get out of here or get braces. (laughs) As soon as you get braces, (laughs) then we can start letting people know that you're alive. All right. Okay. So he leaves and then Bobby enters just as Peter is leaving. And Bobby says that he wants to make a small donation to Wilshire Memorial. Which Alicia's like, why would you do that? Your company's about to get tanked and you're going to lose all control over it. And then Peter's eyes like light up. Ding, ding, ding. He he heard all that. Oh, did he? Yeah. He was like in the closet. <laughs> oh, right? No, he left, babe. Apparently, Alicia has two entrances to her office. What? Yeah. So like there's a back door and a front door. No. Yes. No way. Yes. I don't believe you. Okay. Look, like, he's, like, listening. They they sort of, they insinuate that he is listening on the other side. Well, it doesn't matter because the storyline never goes anywhere. So. He's clearly listening. Okay, fine. Sorry. He is listening, <laughs> but he did go out the back way. Right. They're, like, setting. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Alicia's p- office has two entrances <laughs> and exits. I'm glad we could agree on that. Yeah. That's definitely happening, but... Okay, he he shut the door and overheard that part. Yeah, because they're pro- they're probably setting up that Peter's going to, like, buy all but this But he shit. doesn't. Right. So, anyways, uh, we go back to D&D, and Brooke is on the phone with her bank. She's arguing with someone on the other end of the line saying... But I've had an account with you since I was six years old. Right. Why do you have no money? (laughs) As 
as soon as I get this all cleared up, I am going to be switching banks. I'll be putting my money in as soon as I get my paycheck. So she's really upset. Again, another instance where we're learning that she is flat out broke. Guys, when it rains, it pours. When you are a rich little kid and you're spending all of daddy's money, why don't you have some of your own? Because you don't know to save. You think it'll never end. She's just bawling out of control. Yeah. So she still has her sweaty workout clothes on and she's being called into a conference meeting. So she grabs a random coat off of a coat rack and goes into the conference room. <laughs> yeah, D&D is not that big to where you wouldn't notice. It's like, um, excuse me, isn't that Sally's jacket? Yeah. And I mean, I work with like 34 other people. If I put my jacket on a coat rack... And someone else wore someone it, you'd be like, oh, um, that's like, fine. Hey, your name's Brooke, right? <laughs> you're um, wearing my clothes. That's my jacket. Sorry. And you're really sweaty. Yeah, can you Can you like, not? not do that? <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm sure everybody in the conference room smelled her before they saw her. Ugh. And then Amanda's like... Brooke, do I have to remind you that D&D has a very strict dress code? And then Brooke tries to throw Billy under the bus. <laughs> well, she's like, well, I would have... My uh, my hotel locked me out of my room. It was a misunderstanding with the maid. It was between coming here a little casual or not coming at all. And Amanda says, well, you probably should have chosen the latter because Lindy's toys called. They want to know if you're missing in action. They haven't heard from you. Well, that was Billy's account. And, you know, he's not very attentive at home. So why should it be any different at work? And then uh, Billy, that's where he draws the line. And he's like, um... Why don't we talk about how you're too busy faking pregnancies and suicides to concentrate on work? Well, she also does say how Billy is serving her with divorce papers. Just and airing it all kicked, out. That she's been kicked out of the apartment. Brooke storms out crying, and Amanda's just like, we can't have this meeting. <laughs> Everybody can leave. And, uh, and then Billy... Says to Amanda, I can't work with Brooke. Do what's right for the company. Okay, Billy, Billy, you are so annoying because was it last episode that he begged Amanda to hire her back? Give her her job back. Or I leave. Yeah, and Amanda was like, uh, her fucking wounds are bleeding all over the office. <laughs> like, the blood hasn't even dried. Now we no. are, it's a week later, and he's like, I can't work with her. You have to fire her. Billy, you don't run D&D. Yeah, bro, you're still in the bullpen. Why are you giving Amanda orders? Fire her. Why, right? why is Brooke still in the position that she is? You know, Billy's had sex with three women who work at D&D in close proximity. Dan, four. Because four? Remember, there was that receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> I forget her name. Uh, did they have sex? Was, yeah, like he was dating her. No. Duh, I bet they the, did. The one that Allison had fired? Yeah. No, they didn't do it. They just, they just they just like talked. Man, I think behind closed doors, we can only... We know what they did. Really? Well, anyway. Right. Hey, I'm cool with it. That's fine. But you got to understand how awkward these meetings must be with Billy at D&D. I have to agree. It's... It's not good for anybody. 
So next up, Jane is getting a tour of Jake's garage. Jake which, has a garage? Okay, yes. Thank you. Um, how, how many apartments have you lived in that came with like your own garage? Maybe this is how Jake has had money all these or years. Maybe because he's a handyman, he gets the garage. I was trying to think about that. I don't know. Somehow he has access to a garage that he like pays the rent on. Right. Okay. So we learned that Jane wants to convert this space into a basically a studio where she could sew, she can design. She's very excited because it's close to home. It's large enough. And Jake could still park his motorcycle there. Yeah. She's like, you could still park here. And then Jake is like, oh, um, small detail, Joe parks her car here. Her car or motorcycle? She has a car. Yeah. Joe parks her, her motorcycle or her car here. And, uh, and she's, and he's like, but I'll just tell her she can't. It's not really like. Like set in stone or anything. It's not official. Right. And, uh, Jane's like, um, okay. If that, you know, if. I'll I'll pay for it, and I'm sure Joe's probably not paying him. So they start like he's like, "Can we just address something else? Why are you pretending we didn't kiss last night?" And then they start getting like all like lovey dovey. And, and I thought they had sex. And this is last night, like the pool. Uh huh. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. The other night. Right. And Jane is strokeless. <laughs> yeah. There is 100%. No, like there is no indication full that, recovery that she had a stroke ever. Ever. And she's like, "Yeah, I thought it was just I'm so happy you can walk again, kiss." Rehab totally done. Swimming, I mean, walking, wearing boots. These doctors should seriously win medals. Maybe that's why Wilshire Memorial is a one-stop shop. They They're really just take great. you A to Z from recovery. You're, you go in there and you're like better, better than what you were when you came in. They treat cancer. They treat car accidents. They deliver babies. They have an entire gym. psychiatrist wing. Yeah. They have a full gym. I mean. It's what's up. It's like the Walmart of, of hospitals. It's just amazing. But I'm just glad to see Jane is... Completely recovered in just a yeah. few short days. Yeah. Now we're at Bobby's. Bobby is chilling on Beetlejuice <laughs> pattern pillows <laughs> by the fire. <laughs> he's just chilling by the fire, not giving a fuck. I know. He's just like lounging. Just Dad like, tried to kill me, but, but nothing phases me. I'm about to lose my business, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> and Amanda comes in and she plops a book down on his chest and he's she's like here take a look at it it's my it's a record of all of my financial holdings and assets and bobby (laughs) seriously opens it for like a half a second and goes wow i'm impressed i'm impressed (laughs) and she's like i want you to have it i want you to have it so you can buy back the shares to own your cable company what and then he says, this won't make a dent. <laughs> well, he's... <laughs> and she's like, I just feel so bad. This is partially my fault. And he's like, no, it's not. If I lose the company, I'll lose the company. Yeah, I'll just go, go to my house in Palm Springs. 
or do anything else. Okay. Whatever. Cool. Alicia's more invested in his business than he is. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. So let's go to prison. Why? (laughs) Damn, this whole scene, I'm like, okay, Kimberly wants to get as far away as Vic as possible. She doesn't want anything to do with him. So in order to achieve that, she goes and visits him and talks to him face to face. What well, is wrong with her? Here, here's what I think happened here. Because remember when she like walked him into the police station like by hand <laughs> and like no force, and she was like, "Hello, um, my name's Kimberly. This is Vic. I've made a citizen's arrest. Right. I, he tried to murder me, and he raped me several times. I've tied him up with his tie, and <laughs> I disarmed him with one flick of my ankle. And he would love to make a full." Uh, confession confession and, and then be arrested yes so i think that she thinks she can like get get him on that mind control again Dan, I think that level she's again psycho <laughs> like <laughs> why is she there and she's like thick the only reason i'm here is to stop you from using your phone privileges you are a sick and violent man <laughs> And they even go, they even go to like black and white. I thought this was like a random Allison dream at first because they go to the black and white. <laughs> and you're like, where are the dolls? Fix like, <laughs> like shaking a heavy fist at her. Well, no, he before they cut, he's like, I'm gonna get you. You should be the one in here. I'm gonna hurt you one day. I'll come for you. I'm gonna get you. And it's he's like, all about you. All the you. Who am I? she says? Who else? I, Vic says. Who else am I supposed to call? And uh, <laughs> I wrote like uh, no. the follow your dreams the shit. Dream. You know, and I have a dream about you every night, Kimberly. And you know what they say about dreams. If you talk about them, they don't come true. If you don't follow your dreams, they won't come true. I wrote down, Vic has very strict dream rules. (laughs) What? So basically, Vic Vic is like standing up, pounding on the glass, getting very threatening and screaming at Kimberly saying that like, it's only her he'll ever be thinking about. She's completely spooked, gets up, walks away as he is hauled out of the room by guards. I don't understand why Vic is like smiling and happy like, I'm going to get you. She fucked you up, bro. and... Yeah, but he... She kicked your ass, dude. She, like, annihilated you. It's his turn for redemption. Like, you're behind bars, man. Kimberly, don't sweat this. You kicked his ass on two days with no food. (laughs) Tied up. This is insane. So let's go to the Mid-Wilshire building. Peter, it's Peter and Sydney. Peter's taken back by Sydney's new terrible haircut. Um, she looks like she's from thoroughly modern Millie. Dude, how many bets can this girl lose? I mean, she looks like she's like a flapper. She like seriously looks like she's from 1924. Some, she's I, just going back in like the decades. I want to dive deep and figure out who the costumer was during this season. And then like really figure out. Her, if her and Laura Layton like got in a fight. No, Dan, I really think at the time these were like very bold fashion choices. What? I'm so serious. 
And they're just experimenting you on know, Laura Layton. You know in the mid-90s how like that 60s mod look was coming back? And then like late 90s, everyone did their eyebrows real thin. And then they started looking like 20s, like silent movie actors. Like no, Drew Janet, Barrymore really had a moment like that. No, I don't remember that no, Well, okay, I do. And I feel like this is what they're trying to achieve here. She looks like she like she seriously looks like she's in the original Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Like I don't know why they're doing this. So Peter sits her down to um offer her an opportunity to quote unquote earn some extra cash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. AKA become a prostitute again. <laughs> yeah. And he lays out the 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 freaking legalese. One first base, one thousand dollars. Okay. Second base, two K. Third base, three K. And then and uh, then Sydney is like, what about seven thousand five hundred if he slides across my plate? Ew. Okay, <laughs> then let's go back because he's talking about Bobby here. He wants Sydney to seduce Bobby away from Amanda. I don't know why he thinks that Sydney has like the prowess to do this. Sydney, I need you to go back to horn. <laughs> All right? You got your horn boots? Need you back in that cell. And she's like, I'm raring to go. And I just feel terrible because it wasn't too long ago where Laura Layton delivered probably the best acting she's ever done on this damn show in that confession room crying her eyes out to a priest that she had to do these sick acts. Remember that? Yeah, I do. That was such a like deep scene. Like, oh, like we actually felt bad for somebody. And that this this is this scene throws it all away because she's just like, all right, sweet. Because at heart, Sydney Andrews is always looking for a way to get extra money. And figure out how to, you know, get the material things in life. And she even says, well, if I'm up to bad, I got to get a new uniform, an expensive one. Yeah. I'm tired of eating peanut butter and mayonnaise bagels at my desk. Oh, God. Don't ever bring that up again. (laughs) So his plan is to get her to this Wilshire Memorial fundraiser gala where she can sweep Bobby off of his feet and then seduce him away from Amanda. We do always say that stripper like whore in Sydney's the best Sydney. It is. I, yes, it is. She's she's good. She's the that's when she's at her best. So let's head on over to Joe's place. Joe's pouring some coffee. Jake knocks on the door, and he says that Joe. Joe's like, "Oh, my, you're up early," and he's like. Yeah, bitch. Um, anyway. You need to park your car somewhere else. Like, yeah. he comes right out. He does not sugarcoat it. He's like, get your car out of there. And Joe says, for what? What's this all about? He's like, Joe, well, Jane needs it to start her new business. Oh, and what is she going to make? Spark plug belts? Yeah. <laughs> Joe's immediately <laughs> jealous, um, a little pissed off. And um, Joe's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll... I'll find a new place to park my car. And then Jake leaves. Then Richard comes out in a towel and he's like, Hey, Joe, well, what was all of that about? And uh, Joe's like, Oh, Jane and Jane and Jake are getting really chummy. And 
And she's renting his his garage to be her new studio. And then Richard kind of just throws it away and makes some stupid like designer joke and then tries to bang uh bang and they hook up, yeah. Okay. And she's like, take off your tail, big shot. Oh god, I just Ugh. hate them together. They're just they they make no sense to me. I do not like this pairing at all. Would you rather she be with Jess than him? That honestly makes more sense to me. Yeah. Jess, I feel, is more her type than freaking Richard. Well, I mean... You know who Richard kind of reminds me of? Hmm. Is the Todd from Todd and Margot on Christmas Vacation. <laughs> on Christmas Vacation, the neighbors. Yeah, like I feel like he needs to... Like Joe's like... Still has that like cool aunt. I'm from the craft feel. I feel like he needs to have somebody more like, like highfalutin, like model person. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Uh, yeah, Richard sucks, but I the way they got together made made more sense. Like if you remember, she she basically. Helped him break break it off with Jane. I remember with the whole uh, engagement party. So we are back at Wilshire Memorial, where Matt is kind of hanging out in the halls, and he is approached by the guy that has his old job, which I can never remember his name. I just call him dude. <laughs> dude that has a weird face. Yeah, I have his name written down later when he shows up, so we'll we'll hit him then. But he shows up and he's like, "Oh, hey Matt, how's it going? You want to go to the APLU danceathon with me and the guys?" And he's Matt's like, "Um, I'm already going with Alan. Like, back off." And then dude puts enough doubt into Matt's head about Well, he's Alan. like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can get coffee and hook up when we're there. <laughs> it's just like, geez, pump your brakes. Yeah, but they start talking about, like, Alan is a maybe and, like, hasn't really accepted. Is everything okay with you two? Yeah, Alan got a job on a soap opera and he's betting another woman every day. And then dude's like, well, that's not cool. I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> Yeah. And then Matt has some line about like, yeah, a lot of people are sexually ambiguous, which I kind of feel like is a little bit, a little bit. A thousands moment. Yeah. A, a 2019 moment. Forward thinking. Yeah. So they leave it sort of open there. And we go over to D&D where Amanda is looking for Brooke and asks Allison where she is. And Allison says she doesn't know. And then Amanda's like, well, if she's another five minutes late, I'm going to have to fire her after lunch. Jesus. Now, for whatever reason, Allison is still in Brooke's corner. No, Amanda, you can't fire her. She's going through such a hard time. This act from Allison is tired. It is getting to a point where, okay, I could kind of buy it because she's Haley's daughter and she feels some sort of commitment to Haley to want to try to stick up for his daughter, but... She wrote bitch and whore all over your apartment. She fucked up your apartment. She stole your man. She sent you to freaking China. I don't know when Allison turned into Mother Teresa, but it's, like you said, it is getting old. Yeah. Like, there's only so many things a person can do before you're like... 
You're fired. She had her sent to China to work. What the hell? That's enough right there. She stole her job. She made she blackmailed Amanda to switch jobs. And then Allison started being Brooke's assistant. Oh, I remember, Dan. There's enough there to be like, this um, This is over. So Allison says, I have to believe that somewhere in Brooke is a good person. And then at that moment, doesn't Brooke come in and she's like, oh, tell Billy to pay my dry cleaning bill. Like she starts. Yeah, like, she's like, oh, yeah, um, there's a dry cleaning bill. I picked up my stuff, but let Billy know that. Uh, He's got to get his stuff. And then Amanda makes a comment like, look, I know your husband's dead and all. But that apple's fallen far from the tree. <laughs> Amanda just doesn't get it, man. Amanda? You mean Allison? Amanda. She has no idea when is appropriate to say anything. <laughs> well, that's her Asperger's coming Yeah. Out. Just like, I know you're her kind of stepmom or something, and that like <laughs> her dad's dead, and you feel like you got to be her mom. I'd be like, bitch, we're at work. Do not talk to me about that. (laughs) Okay, so next scene, Alan has taken Matt out to a romantic dinner, which he hopes is going to bring them closer together. Now, Matt is not very impressed. He thinks that the restaurant is too dimly lit, and he wants to be able to see Alan, and Alan makes a comment to say, this is supposed to be romantic. You know, Kennedy took Marilyn Monroe here, yeah, and he wanted to keep that relationship under wraps as well, uh, which was uh, an amazing dig. Sick burn, Matt. And then um, um, Alan tells Matt, like I, Matt, Matt makes a comment about how all the people that Alan has to hook up with at, at work. What is this soap opera about? <laughs> it's just about it's just have, Alan like, hooking up with people. It's basically Melrose Place, but in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> So Alan tells Matt that hooking up with people on set is just a job. And Matt is he's really overly testy at this dinner. Well, because just break up. He's upset that Alan is not he's not being truthful about who he is and not being upfront about who he is. And Matt says, you know, when you love someone, you just wanna feel like they like love you back and like that they they are happy and proud to be with you. And then oh, Alan's like, Matt, I did you, uh, did you just say the L word? <laughs> well, I love you too. And so they have a heartfelt hand holding moment across the table. Terrible. So like, they won't again, kiss. It's like two, like you take two, like, what is it? One step forward and two steps back. Yeah. And then Alan's like, Matt, I think I love you too. And Matt has Matt like reminds him that they're in public and then Alan says, I don't care. Yeah, okay. Sure, buddy. This is and these poor actors, they're handcuffed because the producers and director or whatever, the showrunner, the studio will not does not want these gay characters to like show any sort of affection. That's what hurts so the scene. It's a big deal that he like holds his hand. Right. Like they do a wide shot to be like, look, look what we're allowing them to do. Look, they're holding hands. But it's like, dude, any time, like 
they like they'll like hug twice <laughs> and <laughs> like, then do a pat on the back like yeah a, like a i got you this should be a kiss man okay so next up bobby is visiting amanda and and it is like fucking lazy sunday over there like <laughs> <laughs> is amanda wearing a snuggie right I, now she's wearing like it looks like she's like wearing the pajamas. It looks like she's wearing those pajamas that like unbutton at the butt. Yeah. <laughs> so you could take a poo with them still on. She is just living her best life on the couch. She, yeah, it is. It is Netflix before Netflix <laughs> and chill. She is just cooling. I like those pajamas, to be honest. Oh, you would. They're super baggy. It's like you're she's like wearing a, a scarf. All over your body. Well, it's paisley printed, so I get that. I'm actually really jealous of those. <laughs> okay, Christmas is right around the corner, Dad. Yeah, I just need them in a quadruple XL. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby has returned with her, uh, with her portfolio of assets and holdings. And he said that he's done a little bit of selling and offloading and he's almost has the money that he needs in order to buy the shares to have full control over the company. But all that's missing is exactly the amount of Amanda's portfolio. I need the rest of your portfolio to cover it. Um, how did Bobby find near $2 million in a night? He's very resourceful, Dan. I guess so. And without the help of his dad. Insanity. So Amanda insists, take the, take the money, please. I want you to have it. And then he's like, okay, great. See you later. And then he leaves. Bad news. That is a bad sign. Amanda's going to lose all that loot. Now, Billy's at Shooters, drinking. Three beers in. Celebrating that Brooke got fired. <laughs> Well, she did it, babe. Remember? Right, but he thinks it's a wrap. Oh, okay. So he's boozing hard, like, sweet, when I go back to work, my weird psycho ex-wife who I'm divorcing is not going to be there. And then Allison asks, she comes in and asks where Billy is. Um, Why he wasn't at work, and he says, I'm not going back to work until Brooke is fired. Right. Um. And then she says, well, you may have to stay home tomorrow because I convinced Amanda to keep her on. And then Billy's like, look, Allison, you can't change the inevitable. She's going to get fired. Um, then Billy's like, come on, why don't you just dance with me and, and hang out? Like, let's just have fun. And so they start dancing. And of course, the moment they embrace and they're right. smiling and having fun on the dance floor. Brooke shows up. And Brooke comes, she comes into shooters, sees Allison and Billy dancing, and then she walks over to the jukebox and fucking unplugs the thing. Just unplugs it. So not only is she ruining Allison and Billy's night, but everybody else in the bar. No respect for Jake's place. Billy even says before she comes in to tell out, like, hey, Allison, let's just pretend she's dead. <laughs> Billy's a fucking dick, man. He is brutal. Like, he has really... Billy is being so heartless. Like, I I do not condone Brooke's behavior, and I feel like she is acting crazy. Yeah. But, like, Billy is like, when you're done with Billy, he just shuts you out. 
Yeah, he's over. He's it. like Iceman. <laughs> he's like, you're done. And then, uh, even when she shows up, he's like, so much for pretending she's dead. <laughs> Billy, like, he tells her to leave. Brooke says, oh, don't worry about me, Billy. I've got plenty of people to hang out with. Lots of men are interested in me. A lot of people. Many, many things are going great with me. <laughs> I don't know when she turned into Trump. Yeah. But <laughs> I have a lot of things, many people. A lot of people are interested in me. Yeah. A lot of good, good things. And so she storms out of the out of the bar and then she's just crying in the streets of LA. And someone yells, Hey lady, you're in the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Brooke can't catch a break. Yeah. But you know what? I am happy. It looks like dance night is back. Like shooters is really popular. People are re- and they're like hardcore couples dancing. It's couple Man, can dance. I ask you? Sure. When was the last time you went to a sports bar and like you saw people legit like couples dancing? Oh, every night. Like, I I don't think I've On seen my way that home from since work. eighth grade like <laughs> fall dance. You were in a sports bar? <laughs> That's where we would eighth host. grade? Yes, we would <laughs> host our eighth grade dance. Kevin, you know, it's the Homestead Wakefield. Okay? Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. We didn't have it in a bar. Um, but it's just, it's odd to me that like people would actually do that in a public place. Probably college. People. Like LBs. They tried to turn it into like half of it was like a dance floor a little bit. Not like let's slow dance. I mean, you could. Yeah, but who would do that? I don't know. I think we did. When they would have a DJ or something, like there was a little dance floor there that everybody would, would like chill rock too probably college okay anyway this it is strange but um shooters isn't necessarily sports bar it's more just it's billiards sorry okay you're right Uh, pool i think pool is a sport but okay let's go to the next scene please yeah what song do you think was playing then Why are we lingering? Girl, you're my angel. (laughs) You're my darling (laughs) angel. Life was one big party when you're still young. (laughs) That's what I... (laughs) (laughs) She's been there in my incarceration. (laughs) When I show the nation, my appreciation. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, sorry about that, guys. Um, Yeah, so Brooke crying, streets of L.A., Bumps into people. Watch it, bitch! <laughs> and she is like, oh my god, I have nothing. Okay, it's the next day. We're back at Melrose Place. It's We're- as if, it's <laughs> yeah, as if, god, it's as if when she is walking through the streets that she has never done this before in her life. She is so confused and it's like she has... Alzheimer's. She doesn't know where to go. She doesn't have a home. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have a family. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't know what's going on, Dan. She's upset. So she doesn't remember how to be like a human being? I am being? really feeling for Brooke. I know I shouldn't be, but this episode really makes me feel bad for her. Like, I hate to be that guy, but Brooke, you are a very attractive woman. Fucking say hello to somebody at any bar. You might be good. Go to that bar that Jake had to get Sydney from when they're doing the bra contest. Oh my god! 
You'll be fine. Yeah, will you though? No, <laughs> I have to advise against that. Do not listen I mean, to Dan Brock. Don't be in the contest, but like meet someone. They might have a Is home. That the- <laughs> you know, they might have a okay. place. All right, next scene, please. We are back at Melrose Place. It is the next day. Joe answering. <laughs> like, where is she? She has <laughs> no fucking idea. Why are we still talking about this I have, part? I have to take a picture of this, right? And there's an aerial shot of Brooke just like. That's aerial? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, aerial, like in the air. Oh, my God. Poor fucking Brooke. All right, I'm done. That's it. Joe is retrieving. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, and even the. Take a picture of that. Guys, don't worry. Dan's taking a picture of what we're laughing at right now. The between, like, the black and white, like, uh. Like little. Stinger. Like, call it. They really want to nail it home. Sting you with Brooke's sadness. They show you it in slow mo. That's what I'm going to call them, stingers. Wow, congratulations. They're like, what What message do we really want to send home to the audience? Oh, that Brooke is sad. Okay, and let's replay that one where she's crying like a bitch. <laughs> That's great. That's just great. Okay, moving forward. Um, Joe is getting her car, and... She's like, sorry, did I park my car in the middle of your company? And That's a good one. That's a good one. To Jane, by the way, because yeah. this is Jane's new design studio. And yo, Joe, what the fuck is it to you, you photographer? Not to shit on photographers, but like, this is not your fight. This is Richard and Jane's fight. I agree. I feel like both... Um, Joe and Richard are unnecessarily mean to Jane for no reason. And she has to, like, she digs at her. Joe is like, I'm not buying this little Susie homemaker thing. And basically, Jane, like, dishes it right back to her being like, you know, you don't really have any talent. The only thing you're good at is getting in between the sheets with people, like insinuating she's a slut. The only thing that Jane did to Joe was punch her in the face when Joe tried to get at her. That's about it. Everything else, Joe brought on herself. I agree. Now, unfortunately, Jake hears the tail end of this conversation, which really makes it seem like Jane is the bad guy. Yeah. And she's like coming at Joe. Talents left the building at Richard Hart Designs, bitch. When I left, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I love... I love the unity between Jake and Jane already. They're like they're like supreme gene team huh? <laughs> in this scene. True. They they really love the denim. It was then. So when Jake comes in, that is exit Joe time in a nice BMW. Yeah, when did she get that car? No idea. She must be getting pizzed. Is there's there's a plus to work to be banging the the CEO of what do they call it now? I guess like Heart. Heart. Heart Designs. Yeah. So she rolls away. Jake comes in. He catches the tail end of that conversation. And uh, he sees Jane as like a little bit aggro. 
and he has to remind Jane, he's like, hey, you know that Joe gave up the the garage on, like, no notice. And Jane tries to defend herself and says, I know how this may have seemed, but it really, like, there was more to it. And he's like, yeah, okay. So she wants to get together later that night, and he says he's got to <clears throat> work late. Jake, can we hang out later? I got to work. What about even later? <laughs> I got to really work. Yeah. So, so. Th- there's problems with the Jean team. Okay, so next scene, we go to a high-end boutique where Peter is there probably looking for that uniform that Sydney said that she's going to need in order to attend this gala. Um, Coincidentally, Amanda comes walking out of the dressing room wearing this beautiful long white beaded gown that undoubtedly she wants to wear to the same gala. Um, so, of course, Peter wants to hassle her and, like, you know. <laughs> she's so tiny. Yeah, she really is. It is. And it's really on display while she's trying on this dress. Like, she is a uh, not large person. She looks good, though. Yeah, she looks great. So, um, basically, Amanda's like, buzz off. complete. <laughs> Why are you here? And then Peter tells the saleswoman that she want, he wants the exact same dress that Amanda's wearing. Yeah. Which is, he is scheming every woman's worst nightmare that you're going to go to a special occasion event and there's going to be somebody wearing your same dress. And again, guys, how can you like this guy, Peter? He just appears places and then... And then, like, verbally assaults Amanda at any turn he can. It does beg the question, like, did he know she was there? Because that's a pretty big coincidence. Of course he did. So he buys the exact dress. Now we go to Wilshire Memorial, another shot of Kimberly and Michael chit-chacking. Chit-chit-chacking. Chit-chacking. <laughs> They're chit-chacking along. And Michael tells Kimberly... That Vic is getting 15 years. Without the possibility of parole, he's in jail. She's happy to hear this. He's like, well, doesn't this constitute for a kiss or a hug or or maybe lunch? I mean, did Michael convict him of the 15 years? No. Like, Ma- Michael had a, a, a patient that he worked on that's a police officer. So he followed up with that person just to kind of like get the deets on Vic's sentence. But I feel like He as- didn't do anything. What what makes him think that Kimberly is gonna like him just because he's relaying information? Well, because he checked up for her. But I think as a victim, like because I'm sure Kimberly had to go to court over what Vic did to her, she would probably be privy to his sentencing. Yeah. In front you know what I mean? Like this yeah, is something she would know. or that could be something that she could call the police department or correctional facility herself to get that information. But anyway, it is painting Michael in a good light for her. But she still, she still doesn't want him in her life. And he's like, what's it going to take? And she says, a miracle. He's like, what's it going to take to prove myself to you? And she says, a miracle. We might just get that miracle coming up. We might get it. Brooke has come to Allison's apartment at Melrose Place. She knocks on the door and she wants to know if she can come in. And Allison said that she's been trying to reach her at the hotel. And that's when Brooke reveals that she's checked out of the hotel and she's moved in somewhere else 
economical. A smaller place. So, Which means your car. Well, Allison didn't press her on more information about this. Um, but she says, hey, I'm actually planning on going on a date tonight. And I'm wondering if I can wear something dressy of yours. Can I borrow something? But Allison is very skeptical of Brooke. She asks her what's going on. Brooks Brooks sort of puts the blame on Billy and his erratic behavior, and Allison's like, "You tell me if anything is like going weird, right? If if you're like in trouble." And she's like, "Yeah, of course, she'll be the first to know." But need that dress, also shoes, please. Right, <laughs> right. So the next scene, we are at the country club where Brooke is getting her fill of a lot of the appetizers out and um, glasses of champagne, and it seems like she hasn't really eaten regularly for quite a while. And then she has to, like, validate herself with the the help (laughs) at the place. Like, she picks up three, like, little bites of food, and then she looks at the... the the person serving the champagne. server and she's like i skipped lunch i swear this is not really a thing <laughs> i really don't eat more than three bites at any meal typically <laughs> so she's munching and then immediately sees lol and the boys lol they're hanging out at the bar and she just goes straight in she means business she's like hey lol what's up just got divorced how's your love life well as it happens i'm very single And then she says, wow, okay, well, maybe we can go out to dinner, catch a polo match. Like the old days. Like the old days. That sounds horrible. I wouldn't be caught dead at a polo match. So then Lowell says, now why would I want to do that? Your father's dead. The estate is gone. There's no reason. What would be the point? And then all of him and his buddies laugh. His like little cronies are like, <laughs> and Dude. they all just walk away, leaving Brooke almost in tears. Lowell's a dick, but well, so's Brooke. So's Brooke, and I'm like, well, if she had money, they really would be a good match, right? But you mean to tell me that it's Lowell or nothing at this party? Hit up one of the cronies. <laughs> you are getting back to. I I see what you're getting at. And like, come on, man. Lowell's got friends. It ain't just Lowell. And there's a, probably more eligible bachelors hanging out there. Exactly. Like, I know, like, Billy first, Lowell second. But what about three, four, five? And get down the line. Lowell may have a reason to be a dick to her. Because think about it. They were engaged. And then all of a sudden, she breaks up with him and marries this other dude within months. Yeah. And they probably only broke up maybe under a year ago. Right. And now she's like, I'm divorcing that guy. Let's get back together. I mean, maybe he has a reason to be a dick to her. Yeah. Maybe she broke his heart. She should call the actor who played Henry. Like to freak to keep freaking out Kimberly. (laughs) He'll hook up with you. I'm sure he has a job and a place. I don't know, Dan. He... (laughs) He was hired to literally stand out somebody's outside of somebody's window and like be like, (laughs) she's trying to make some extra dough. I don't think that they're in the same league. She's but yeah, so she another scene of Brooke just striking out all over the place. It's sad she's fallen this hard. And I do feel bad for her. But again, it's pretty unbelievable that she can't find 
anyone in L.A. to hook up with and take care of her. Now we head over to the Wilshire Memorial Gala where we see Amanda and Bobby entering. Amanda wearing that same beautiful white dress that... It's party time. Yeah. Bobby's got the hand on the hip. Like, he, he's got, he can't keep his hands off her. Then enter Peter and Sid. I wish it was Michael and Peter. They're trying to, to like, pawn Sydney off on Peter, but this used to be... A Michael Sydney dynamic yeah, duo. Yeah, it used to be for sure. And their duo doesn't work. But Sydney shows up and she's like, wait, you got me the same dress? And she's wearing the same dress that Amanda's wearing. She's not happy about it either. She wasn't privy to this information that she would be wearing the same outfit as Amanda. Um, so she can't even make eye contact with Amanda in this scene. She's just looking straight ahead. Peter's defense is, how was I supposed to know she'd buy it? Uh, I don't know, Peter, because you were, she was wearing it and she like, it looked great on her. Yeah. Um, so Amanda just asks Bobby to like, go get her a drink. And basically, Sydney is going to go try to get Bobby. That's her mission. Her mission is to get Bobby. Right. So Amanda and Peter are left alone and Amanda's like, it was a really bad idea to bring this little idiot to this party. And he's like, oh, lighten up, Amanda. We're just here to have fun. He's such a dick. He deserves a nice face punch. (laughs) He really does. Square in the face. Well, Amanda says, well, whatever you do with her, please don't turn her into a carbon copy of me. Then she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. She walks away, enter Alicia, and Amanda like sizes up Alicia. And they've dressed Alicia to be like this anti-Amanda. She's wearing all black instead of all white. She's, uh, and then she matches Peter basically perfectly. What's Alicia doing here? Well, she is Bobby's personal attorney and Bobby is there and he's made donations to Wilshire Memorial before. Maybe she was invited because of that. I don't know. When you're rich and you're like a business person, do you typically hang out with your lawyer, your attorney? Look, I could never begin to even answer that question. (laughs) I'm going to go to this party, but my attorney's going to be there. She's got to come too if I'm getting an invite. Yeah, if I'm getting an invite, I need Alicia there. She's going to tell me where my money is. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's a great question. Maybe Peter invited her. Maybe. So Sydney seizes her opportunity. The bar is packed. Jam-packed. She pushes her way through people, which, rude, like, to get to the, the bar. And then she so, like, coyly is like, hi, order me a pink lady, will ya? What's a pink lady? I don't know. Some dumb mixed drink that probably has grenadine and Sprite in it. A pink lady. So they make small talk. Bobby says Peter must be playing, paying her well since she's in that expensive dress. And uh, Sydney immediately, she, she goes to work. She's like, it's hot. Um, I want to go outside. And, and Bobby's like, okay, cool. Have There's fun a terrace on your left. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but I could really use some company out there. And he says, you know what? I'm here with Amanda. I'm sorry. I'm not available for that. He's not taking the bait. Then Amanda shows up. She's come back from the bathroom. 
And she wants to talk. She wants to chit chat with Sydney like now, alone. Can I tell you how much this pisses me off? Hmm. This is a busy, busy party. People are trying to get to the bar for drinks. And these assholes are just standing there at the bar. They've already ordered their drinks and they're not getting out of the way so other people can get drinks. Not cool, guys. I hate people like this. It's bullshit. It's like, why are you standing like that? Obviously, is a service bar, a bar that people walk up to to get their drinks and then go somewhere else to go enjoy their drinks. Yeah. This is not like a, a bar where you just like sit there and hang out. Right. I hate when people do this. So Amanda gets her glass of wine that Bobby ordered, and she tells Sydney, I don't know what you're up to, but Bobby is off limits. And then she feigns that somebody bumped into her and takes her glass of wine and launches the contents all over Sydney's beautiful white dress. But not before Sydney accuses her of being a little insecure. And then the spill... And then Amanda says, oops, a little clumsy of me. And then she says, look, you can buy a new dress, get your hair done and clip on some earrings, but you are just still a $2 hooker. Ooh. So good. Sydney screams like she's been shot. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks, <gasps> that, it looks that way. Yeah. Her, she has a, a stain the size of a dinner plate on her, like, breast. You're still a, still a $2 hooker. You just have a new pimp. Oh, that's right. I forgot that part. <laughs> you just have a new pimp. Oh, boy. So, Which is a great line. Yeah. It's good. They give They give Amanda all of the, like... Really catty stuff. And she she always delivers it well. Always. Like uh when she was talking to Alice, she was like, uh what what you, what's the drink? Screwdriver? Smell it on your breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those days. What are you drunk? The drunk Allison days. Yeah. So good. Okay, so it's the next day, and is this Peter's hotel room? I don't know. I couldn't focus. It's just his nipples. <laughs> so it's the next day, and Peter is in his hotel room. We uh, assume that he got a, a room after the whole gala. He's talking to Sydney, asking, How much do I owe you? And Sydney's like, Look, you don't owe me anything. I couldn't get through to him, but don't put away your checkbook just yet. I'm still working on it. Every man has their weakness, and I'll find it. So they hang up, and Alicia emerges from the bathroom wearing a robe. Looks like they boned last oh, night. Oh, looks like they had some fun. Then Peter says something. He's like, I'm, I'm motivated by lust. Oh, God. This, this was so gross. Dude, I just... Well... Maybe he was... Maybe in the <laughs> 90s, he was, like, really cool. But I don't... He has not aged well. 2019... Peter is a loser. Well, he, she does learn that Peter had a thing with Amanda, and I think she didn't know that before. And that's when he's like, I'm motivated only by lust. I want you just for lust, which is kind of degrading in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, But she, li- she likes this idea and like pounces on top of him, and then they're rolling around in the bed and making out. And it's funny because um, Crotch Watch 2019, she like straddles him. 
and like like leans over and I guess they're trying to they're trying to act like she's naked, but you can totally see her underwear lines through the through the robe. Oh, thank you, Dan, for catching that. No problem. Now we go back to Melrose Place. Look, Matt like walks into the Melrose Place area and like <laughs> he he actively tries to trip on this rope. He's like, Whoa, what is this? There's like there's like a cord on the floor that's running. And he's like follows the cord his apartment right and then matt's like what the hell's going on why is this black man in front of my door and there is a man standing outside of the door saying sorry bro you can't go in there yo if i'm walking to my apartment and there's a person in front and they that, put their fucking hand on you me you don't know you don't yeah, know this person i'd be like get the fuck off of me son what are you doing what are you doing here what is going on in my apartment matt plays it way better than I do is he walked in and he's just like taking it all in feeling it out well guys we see that Alan has a camera crew in the apartment and they're interviewing him because I guess he is a star on the rise in the soap world and everyone wants to know everything about Alan and uh, Matt's like oh uh, sorry I just came in for a book and they're like, oh, hi, is this your roommate, Alan? And he takes, he hesitates for a moment and says, oh, yeah, here's my roommate. And then they, the next question is, are you, what's your love like, like, love life like? Are you single? Yep, single right now. I'm not dating anybody. He denies that he and Matt are even friends in the, inter- in the interview. Um, and, Alan just cannot get it together. He has no idea. And and it's always at the wrong time he's saying, like, me and Matt are friends. This is my friend. Any chance he gets around public. I have no idea why Matt is still with him at all. I don't either. He should just completely dump him because it doesn't work. And what is this film crew? It's like a band of misfits. They're, like, really oddly looked people well okay i think the main interviewer has one guy looks like paul sheer i was gonna say he is a cross between like paul sheer and like igor from frankenstein yeah and the other guy the the actual camera guy is like he's got really greasy greased up hair and the bodyguard outside it just these people don't there's no cohesion (laughs) cohesiveness does a film crew need to look alike i I don't don't know i would think they don't have like the same jacket or something no no that's typically not how it works no no maybe they'd all have the same shirt so after hearing alan saying no single and loving it matt storms out of the apartment then Alan runs out after him, which if I was like like a reporter interviewing somebody that just denied that this roommate is not his lover, and he's single and loving it, and then the roommate runs out, I would be like, oh, they're they're a thing. Yeah. Like, that's very obvious. Yeah, it's 100% obvious. And then Alan has the nerve to run over at Matt and be like, Matt, what's wrong? It's like, (laughs) motherfucker. You told, I've told you several times, you need to be out and open and not like deny me. 
And, and plus, this is my apartment, and you did not tell me a film crew was coming in today. Yeah. That is really weird. So fucked up. So he tells him, why don't you look for a new apartment where you can be single and loving it? This relationship is over, and I am living for it. Me too. So let's go to D&D. Brooke is sitting on a desk, literally twiddling her thumbs, waiting for Billy. And once Billy shows up, she's like, she asks if, if Billy is free. She says that Billy is free to see whomever he wants. Because she's dating Lowell now. Yeah. She was the love of his life, and now they're getting back together. And Billy won't offer her any sort of emotional response. He's just like, okay, great. And she's like, well, maybe we can be friends so you can come to the wedding. That is crazy. Yeah. Like, if you're the person that you're, like, you just served divorce papers who are like, I want to be your friend so you can come to the wedding of the, like, my next wedding. She's psycho. She's psycho. She's literally psycho. I'm surprised that there's not more storyline of her like hiding her wrists from people. I don't like how how long does it take for the wrist to heal after those that sort of like I don't know laceration. And maybe that's why they're putting her in long sleeves. But at the party, at the lol, um, she was out and open. I mean that. Maybe was- that's why people are like, no, <laughs> get the fuck away from me. Okay, so she walks away. Allison overhears this exchange, and she's like, whoa, it's only been a few days, and she's already talking marriage. Finally, somebody addresses how fast-paced these relationships go in the world of Melrose Place. Yeah. I love Allison's outfit, too. It's like a zip-up like sporty. jumper, little striped red, white, and black. I like it. She looks good. Allison is looking really good this season. Yeah. She's come a long way from the hair mitts. From mom jeans and hair mitts. Yeah. She's come a long way. And well, she, she learned. She is very thin, too. Yeah. Well, they like, got to pit her against Brooke. Yeah. I bet Courtney Thorne Smith was probably like, they're trying to replace me with Brooke. <laughs> Sweet. She got the suicide uh, storyline, not me. Great. So Allison tells Billy that they're probably making it up. And she doesn't have a friend in the world. Yeah. So Billy should like chill out, basically. Now we're at Jane's Bikes. <laughs> Jane's new studio. And for whatever reason, Richard is dropping by. Why? Nobody knows. <laughs> but he's like, Jane, this is ridiculous. He immediately criticizes the place. I mean, what are buyers? They're just going to be coming in here. No one's going to be knocking down your door, Jane. What can you look to accomplish in a one woman sweatshop? (laughs) You're so good at it. Uh, Richard, then Richard like picks up Jane's new designs and (laughs) Jane like rips them away from him. And he's like, come on, Jane's. You you really think I won't, I, I would steal them? Uh, I know you would. I don't want to be sharing my designs with the competition. And then he says, you know what? I came here to wish you good luck. No, you, no, you didn't. Did you are such a bitch. No, you didn't. No, you definitely didn't. You went there to rub it in his face. Rub she, it in her she face. Went in guns, he went in guns blazing. And then he says, but you're finished in the industry and I'm going to see to it. That you never work in this town again. You fucking bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so he's out of there. Now, Brooke is leaving work, and Billy asks if she has a minute to talk, because I guess all of the... Anytime Brooke talks to Billy, then Allison shows up and says, hey, be nice. This has happened like three times this episode. Yeah, stupid. So I guess it rubbed off on Billy this time. So he asked Brooke to talk, and she's like, okay, sure. And she like immediately thinks they're like back together. And he's like, look, um, Brooke... I've been insensitive. Do you want the apartment? And and she's like, what? Why would I need the apartment? I don't need you. And then he's like, okay, well, here's some money. And then she's like, I don't want your pennies. You are just a middle class runt. Everyone knows that when I was with you, I was slumming it. The middle class runt is writing me a check? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then uh, she runs out. And All then, proud. And Billy's like, see, Allison, I tried doing it your way, but she just isn't. She's just not taking it. She's just a bitch. <laughs> she's just a bitch. I told you. And Allison apologizes for suggesting he be nice. Yeah, because she's crazy. Now let's go <laughs> this, to Wilshire Memorial. This is one of my favorite things that happened this entire <laughs> Michael walks up to like the elite message deliverer. Like this elderly nurse. Yeah. And he's like, hey, what are my messages? (laughs) And she says, detective called. The guy he asked about, he accidentally got released from prison. Some kind of screw up. Some kind of screw up. (laughs) Like that is a big deal. So, of course, Michael's like, oh, no, Kimberly. And he runs to her office. The door's shut. He's knocking everywhere, asking people, have you seen Kimberly? Every And then, like, a random guy's like, yeah, she just went outside to the parking lot. So he runs out after her. And then we cut to Kimberly in the parking lot going to her car. She opens the door and... You can kind of see the flannel shirt like in the back seat as she's getting in. It's like everyone knows Vic is back there. He is back there. Oh, and yeah. He pops up pops. and puts a knife to her neck. And he's like, drive. So, of course, this is like Kimberly's worst nightmare. Um, and at that time, Michael comes out just to see her car going away. And it like... It gets to a point where, like, Kimberly, like, is right next to Michael, and he sees them, Mm -hmm. and then, like, she speeds off, and it's like, you know that you have control of the pedals, right? Like, yeah, like you could just be like, no, I'm not leaving. But he wanted her to drive fast, so she's she's obliging. She has a knife to her throat. Yeah. So then another car pulls up. It's a florist car. Michael, like, hails it down like a cab, and the guy's like, what? What do you want? He's like... I need your car. I'm a doctor. That doesn't work. <laughs> well, the guy gets out. And if you then, were a cop, maybe that trope works. Like, you know, the ongoing, I'm a like, doctor. all a cop has to do is, like, hail your badge. And then they're like, get out of your car. I need your car. And then they drive away. That happens in, like, all the movies. Oh, does it? Yes. Every movie, that <laughs> is a thing that happens. Okay. Now, so- we're, now we're in a car chase. Melrose Place car chase. I mean, it's like zero to sixty seconds around here. This is amazing. The, yeah. I don't have, have. I mean, we've had car 
ne- we've had negligent driving. We've had people almost hit by cars. We've, we've had, had people, people actually hit by, hit by cars. We've had uh, daydreams of people being hit by cars. We've had Kimberly driving erratic to 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 scare uh, Henry away. When car crashes. Kimberly, slow down. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah. So they're on the road driving crazy. And they, Michael is like right there, hot on the heels of um, Kimberly and Vic as they drive. Vic actually has the wheel, and I guess Kimberly is operating the pedals. Yes. That is a lot of collaboration. (laughs) Really? Hit the brake a little bit. (laughs) Okay, gas, more gas. (laughs) (laughs) While he also has a knife to her. Like, this is impressive. This is very impressive. I'm surprised you don't accidentally stab her in the jugular. <laughs> exactly. Michael's getting closer and they're like Look. causing car accidents. It's really a fast paced and scary thing. Michael ends up pulling side by side to Vic and Kimberly. And Michael then, like, police go to training for this sort of like maneuver, vehicular combat. <laughs> yeah. But Michael just knows how to do it. So he's like turning his wheel, like banging it into Kimberly's car, trying to get them to like get in a safe collision so that just to stop this, uh, the, the chase. But they end up like getting off road. This thing goes off road. And they're in the middle of the city. So I don't know where they are now. They're like in this like gravel pit area kind of thing. They bust through a chain link fence and to like, like a trailer park. Yeah, there's like a couple trailers, and then Kimberly's car is headed straight for a propane tank. Right. And while they don't crash into the tank, they hit it enough that like I guess propane gases are just leaking. Yeah. Michael runs. And pulls Kimberly from the car. Vic, Vic, he's knocked out. Yeah, I mean, as we saw before, it doesn't take much to knock out Vic. Vic is a glass jaw, basically. Yeah, and honestly, like, this crash wasn't that hard. But he's, like, completely gone. And then Michael and Kimberly run away from the car just in time for it to completely explode. And I'm talking like this is a big time explosion. Yeah. Michael is on top of Kimberly, shielding her from the debris. And they look on as Vic burns alive. Michael rescues Kimberly. Could be a miracle. Kimberly said it would take a miracle. Vic is fucking dead. 100%. Would you agree? (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Vic ain't coming back. I mean, nothing surprises me in the world of Melrose Place, but I think it's safe to assume that, but I would not be surprised if in five episodes he's back again. I'm back. And he's all like burned up. Right. I survived the fire (laughs) and I'm here because I'll never, ever let you go, Kimberly. (gasps) So we're back at Wilshire Memorial. Memorial. Michael is at Kimberly's bedside. And Kimberly sort of wakes up. She's got a big headache. And Michael's like, you're fine. But Vic is dead as shit. <laughs> and Kimberly says, she's like, at one point, 
I looked into his eyes and I saw, all I saw was hate looking back at me. And then she turned and saw Michael driving erratically in a florist's car <laughs> and ramming it into mine. And I saw you. Michael tells her, he was like, look, all I was thinking about during that whole thing was, my God, I'm going to lose her again. Maybe uh, this is fate. It's a chance for me to right the wrong. And Maybe now we're even. Maybe now we're even. What the hell? Like, well, I, I was drunk as shit and then caused a crazy car accident remember, where you almost died. Yeah. Remember the last time I basically killed you for several days and set you on a path to insanity? <laughs> well, now I saved you from one. So let's just call it even. Looks like we're even. Cancel each other out. <laughs> and then she's like, Thanks for saving my life, Michael. My note here is slate clean. <laughs> reset button. Completely hit. reset. So they're they're just they're all regular again. The last three seasons wiped. Yeah, just forget about them. They never happened. She was she now she's never been crazy. Now she's never wanted to murder never him. Never tried to kill anybody. Yeah, it's all gone. Michael and- Michael never tried to set her up. Does she have any residual issues with like having a plate in her head? No. I didn't even know she had a plate in her head. I thought she did. She had the big scar. Yeah. Maybe I'm just and thinking the that there was a plate. Is her hair real now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because how long ago was the car crash? Like two years ago? Yeah, had to be. Had to be. Okay, so, so we're now at D&D. We're at a board meeting where Brooke demands to know... What is the holdup with my paycheck? She hasn't gotten paid in several weeks. Amanda says, Brooke, you don't get paid when you take an advance on your sick days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you take an advance and cash in all your sick days. And Allison says, "Um, Amanda, I think she's having money problems. Oh, really? Really, Allison? You're very astute. No shit. Um, So Brooke, again, she is last, last legs. She has no money. She needs money. Allison is really her last lifeline, basically. So we're at Matt's place. Matt and Alan's place. My fir- The first thing I wrote, it says, Matt and Alan's. Alan is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan is sleeping on the couch. Um, obviously, they're not on good terms. And he's he's waking up as Matt's getting ready for work and making himself coffee. And he's like, come on, Matt. Let's not fight. Like, I don't want to move out. I know you don't want me to move out. Come on, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm never out when you want me to be out. And Matt is like, apology not accepted. Good for yeah. you, Matt. Stand up for yourself. Um, But somehow they end up resolving and going to the dance-a-thon together. Yeah, he's like, well, then come with me to the dance-a-thon. Dance-a-thon. What is a dance-a-thon? I think it's like where you dance for a long time. It's like pledging that like, I'll dance for five hours for this cause. It's like, give me money to dance. Like jump rope for heart? Yes. (laughs) 
Kevin, <laughs> jump rope for Hart. Definitely... Field. Oh, see, new answer to your question. It is Richard Hart Designs now. Whoa, okay, thank you. Yeah, he gets a new sign put in, and Richard is balls to the wall. Let's bury Jane in the dirt. He is a jerk. He yeah. like every the, his office is all abuzz. All of his employees are running around, and he's like, "Okay, people, um, everybody's gonna <laughs> have to stay here till nine p.m. tonight." Just a quick heads up. I don't know if you had families or plans, but <laughs> forget about them. Forget them. People are groaning. They're like, "Oh no!" And shaking their heads. Look at that guy. The guy in the background, like. <laughs> I want to know the storyline of that guy. He's shaking his head, walking away like that motherfucker. The spinoff? Yeah. <laughs> and the yellow shirt. Oh, yeah. He's like, what the fuck? I hate my job. My kid at a baseball game. <laughs> and Joe, Joe is just like, Richard, um, I want a relationship and all you do is work. And she says, we're not slaves. You can't work people like this, Richard. And then doesn't Richard say something like, well, they can quit. <laughs> I if, wish they would. If they don't like it, they can quit. This I, is Richard Hart Designs. I wish everyone quit and left him on his ass. Um, And then he's like, what do you want from me, Joe? And she says, I want a relationship. It's all work with you. Yeah, you work together. Exactly. That is a... That's a problem, you know. It's hard. It's a, I've worked with I worked with Jenny for in a at a at a restaurant before. Three restaurants, three different restaurants. Oh we yeah, at. I guess we did. Uh, Harpoon Hannah's, Higgins, and Bertucci's. Yeah, and I mean, oh, did you not enjoy our time together? I mean, I did, and I didn't. You know, <laughs> like at some 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 parts are like okay. You need a break. Yeah, you need a break. I'm sure you felt the same way at, at different times. But like it's it's work. So you have to like turn off a part of of of, of the, the relationship for a duration. And then it's, and then sometimes it's hard to turn it back on, you know? You just want to chill, be by yourself. But Joe has a problem with this. She's like, I want a boyfriend. Why don't you jump in the pool with your clothes on? Say I love you in French. I don't know, like loosen up a little bit. She even goes as far to quit. She's yeah, like, she's I'll like, I'm quit. done. And he and he's like, tell me what I have to do. Jump in a pool. What? Bobby Parisi's office. Sydney walks in. She's ready to throw the kitchen sink at him. She's all on, all in, hundred percent on Bobby. Bobby says that he thought he made himself clear. Sydney says she's heard his family is finger, finger on to the, the nose. nose. I guess that's a code for mom. I have never heard this or seen this ever. Is this a universal thing that people do where they put their she like put her her finger on her nose and like like turned it? I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it means like um, well, if you say something correct and, and like someone, like, like if you asked me a question and I answered it, you could put your finger on your nose to be like, you're right. I've seen that. What? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Oh, I've definitely seen that. Like teachers or like games, games where you're playing like yes games, like somebody will say something and you'll be like, 
What color is the sky? Like like charades. Blue. Like charades. That, that'll be like, yes, yes, yes. For what? sure. What? Yeah. You t- tap on your nose Yeah, you to tap say your yes? nose to be like, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So I've maybe she's never using... I've seen that before. I'm telling you, watch, a, watch YouTube of people playing charades. They'll be doing it all the time. <laughs> Is that the pastime you partake 100%. Yeah, I watch... I actually have a YouTube channel. It's called Families Play Charades. Oh. And I just have a, you know, a network of friends. It's a compilation of videos of people playing charades. Right. I have a couple cameras going on in people's living rooms on Saturdays with game oh. nights, usually on Saturdays. So um, follow that that channel. <laughs> okay. So she insinuates that your family's in the mob, and he denies it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you heard, but that's wrong. <laughs> um, Bobby walks over to her and picks her up by her neck like a baby cub <laughs> and says that you don't know me. Bobby's aggressive. Yeah, and I don't know how this is like attractive to Sydney, but she's like, gosh, you, you just make me nervous. You're polite. You're sexy. I don't know. Amanda's got a good thing going. Goodbye. But when we're talking about Sydney trying to find his weakness, he does his like facade cracks a little bit when she starts giving him compliments about like him being a nice guy. Mm. Like it seems that he's impervious to like, you're sexy, you're tall, you're brooding, you're mysterious, but it's like, but you're nice and polite. And that's when he's like, Hey, I am nice and polite. I am nice and polite. Yo, Bobby's been around way too goddamn long. Yeah, I wish he was dead. (laughs) Please go away. We don't need you getting with another character. You get with another character. He's on it for at least three more episodes. If this business gets off the ground, then he's definitely back in it. He's got to go. Something major needs to happen with him. Agreed. So now Allison is walking out to the um I was gonna call it the car park, the the you garage. <laughs> and she's we're assuming that this is at D D. And she sees Brooke in her car, like crying. So she fake cry. She goes <laughs> to the window, she's tapping on the window, and she's like, Brooke, what are you doing? Are you okay? Obviously not. And then, seriously, though, if you can't figure out how to get your clothes from a hotel, (laughs) then you deserve every bit of, like, life sadness that you're experiencing. Like, get your fucking clothes. So, Allison kind of peeks into Brooke's back seat, and there's, like, a pillow, a blanket, some (laughs) food. It's obvious that Brooke has been sleeping in her car. But I think they made that shot so, like, you would think, like, oh, yeah, it's really a wreck and terrible. It's one pillow in a cup. (laughs) You're living in here, aren't you? (laughs) If she had, like, a toothbrush in the cup holder is living in your car, you know? Not pillow in the back. Maybe she takes naps out there. So then Allison insists that Brooke needs to come stay with her for a few days until she's just back on her feet. (laughs) 
Now we head over to Wilshire Memorial where we're back in Kimberly's room. This is a very strange scene, Dan, that you pointed out. So for whatever reason, Michael is feeding her jello. And then they start playing jello games where she's showing like she's showing her hit the jello in her mouth chewed up. Like Kimberly is opening her mouth with jello in it like What? <laughs> it's not funny. She has use of her arms. Why isn't she feeding herself? This is weird. They both act like it's the funniest shit ever. And Kimberly is now willing to be Michael's quote unquote friend. And then she says, we can talk. We can have dinner. We can go to the movies. And then he goes, and then we can have sex. No, Michael. <laughs> that is not what friends do. They hold hands. And great. So this is a the budding relationship already. A new friendship. Here we go, ladies and gents. Back to Michael and Kimberly. Now it's the next morning at Allison's. Brooke had the best night's sleep, she says. And we get a knock on the door. It's Billy. Now Billy's very surprised to see Brooke there, as anyone would be. And he's like, um, what are you doing here? And then Allison comes in and she's like, he wants to confront her and like takes her into her bedroom. Like, why is she here? How could you do this to me? How can you bring her back here? Um, Billy calls Brooke an emotional vampire. Well, because (laughs) Allison is like, she's a human being, Billy. She needs a place to stay. She was sleeping in her car. She's an emotional vampire. And then Billy wants to know, are you on my side or her side? Because you can't play both, okay? You got to pick. And if you're on my side, you got to kick her out. It's interesting he's now fed up with her playing both sides. Because she's been playing both sides for, for five episodes. like, yeah, weeks. It's, in, it's, really, it's really weird. Now we go to the Mid-Wilshire building. Michael and Peter, doctors at law. Sydney walks into Peter's and Peter fires her for liking Bobby. Peter is well, such he's a like, You're jealous. fired not as my receptionist, but as my model Ahara. He's so jealous. He has no deeming qualities. Guys, I want you to post. For real, tell me why you enjoy Peter. What, besides his look, like if you think he's cute. Or like you think he's hot, fine. I, I I get that. But aside from that, tell me why you enjoy this character because I do not see one redeeming quality. He goes the extra mile to get the person he cares for. No, he's he's a stalker. He sucks. I don't know. He took Michael in to his home when he needed help. Because he always has something to gain. He took Kimberly into his home when she needed help. Because he was fucking her. <laughs> he wasn't at the time. He wasn't? No. Oh, my God. I don't know. I like Peter. I enjoy his character. I I, I forgot did, he fucked Kimberly. I didn't like him in the beginning when he first came on the scene. Like, when he was like, what are the weaknesses? But I like him now. Why? He's grown on me. He's just grown on me, Dan. For what? It's an X factor. Sometimes it's something you can't put your finger on. But you're like, I feel like this show would be 
less without him. Really? Yes. I think he's expendable. I like him. 100%. I like him. Anyway, um, next scene. The Mid-Wilshire. Peter's super jealous of Bobby. Amanda... Oh, Sydney tells him that Amanda was right to choose Bobby over a meanie like you. And then Peter looks at Sydney and he says, I'm not a meanie. <laughs> That's what Jenny likes. <laughs> like that expendable ass scene. <laughs> Just throw away. Now we go to Bobby's out office. Amanda's jealous of Alicia for having access to Bobby all the time. She's like, so what? You're just here working? Well, Alicia is very upfront. She's very um, blunt. And she's like, look, I don't have any interest in Bobby. I am his attorney. And really, like, he's not my thing. So I think they kind of have a truce in a way. And then they inadvertently trade each other dating tips about the other person. Did you catch that? Yes. Yeah. Um, Alicia says uh, says that she hopes that they work out and and that he seems ready to settle down. And then Amanda talks a little bit about her ex, which Alicia knows to be Peter. And I'm sure Amanda does not know that Alicia and Peter are kind of talking and like hooking up. And she's like, yeah, my last boyfriend really wasn't trustworthy, mm. which is kind of a red flag. So Alicia's like, noted. Now we go to Shooters, a.k.a. Joe's Complain Place. <laughs> Joe's talking shit about Richard. Oh, he works all the time. I'd be like, great. Jane shows up and hopes there's no hard feelings about the garage, and Joe just storms out. Then Jane calls out Jake for avoiding her, and she's like, she she comes at Jake in the back room. She's like, Jake, come on. You want me, and I want you. And Jake says that Jane is too much about her career, and that doesn't mix with him. And Jake's like, look, dude, we're friends. And, like, that's kind of it. And then Jane's like, I think we need to take this all the way. And then this is the first time they do it. We can assume. We can assume. Yeah, so they're in the in Jake's office at Shooters. Get it on. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Now, we cut over to Melrose Place where Richard is waiting for Joe in the courtyard. He is standing right there. And he's got all of his clothes on. He backs up to the pool and just falls backwards. And says, I love you in French. So I have to say, watching this, it was so cute. I loved this part, Dan. Not cute. I loved it. <laughs> she like had these like suggestions for him and he did it. And it, I just thought it was adorable. It's I, not adorable. You know why? Because she had to tell him to do it. Like, and then he did it. Right. But it's like, be original. Do something else that's spontaneous. Don't just do exactly well, what she no, says. No, because she's, he's showing her that I listened to you and I'm doing what you told me to do. Nah, you got to put a spin on it. I would be like, I love you in, in Spanish. <laughs> and then I would like, I don't know, pop a bottle of champagne and like pss, spray it. 
like a rap video. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what Joe wants. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get it. Okay, so um, they are now on good terms. They reconcile. And have you noticed that they've been doing his hair like all crazy messed up lately? Not just when he's in the pool right now, but like his new look is like wild spiky hair. Because he's always working. He's tired. Takes a lot to take down a juggernaut like Jane Mancini. <laughs> so let's head over to this dance a thon. Matt, Matt. <laughs> sorry. Matt's outside waiting for Alan to show up and David approaches. Okay, his name is David. Dude is David. Weird guy that kind of looks like an eagle to me. <laughs> Why does he look like an eagle? I don't know, but he just <laughs> reminds me of an eagle face. Eagle face? Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to let me try to find him on uh, on IMDb. Like, you know, I think it's the Muppets, how they have those, like, eagles that are judges. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. If I, I think his name's Dave Erickson. That's, his, that's who he's playing. Yeah. Dave Erickson. And he is played by Rob Youngblood. I like that. It's a cool name. I really like that name. He is known for nothing. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Wow. NYPD Blue is where he called it quits in 2002. Just shoot me. <laughs> Jenny just showed me a picture of a Muppet. A eagle face. <laughs> so send me that and I'll post it. But now I know what that is for future reference when Jenny sees an eagle face. I don't know what she means. It's like the angry Muppet. So they go to they're waiting at the danceathon when Matt um he was like, Come on, why don't you come in? He's like, No, I gotta wait for Alan. Alan shows up, they give big hugs, cause they definitely can't kiss because it's mm-hmm. nineteen ninety-six. It's always hugs. And there's mad paparazzi out there for this danceathon. What's the deal? I don't know. It's a big thing going on in, in LA and they take a photo of Matt and Alan walking into the danceathon together. I'm really digging David's vest. Are you? Yeah. You want yeah. to bring that back? Yeah, I definitely want to bring back the whole vest vibe. Vest, shirt, and then undershirt. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So they all go into the danceathon ready to rock. Now, Allison knocks on Billy's door. Billy opens the door, asks if Brooke is in or out. And Allison says she'll be out by the end of the week. So they're having this conversation in plain view of Allison's apartment. Brooke is in the apartment and she's like peeking back the blind. She's looking down on them. And I don't know why they just don't go into Billy's apartment to have this conversation. Because if the windows were open, Brooke could hear everything. And then they start kissing. Which... I think that this is the first time they've kissed since the whole, like, he married Brooke. Yeah. After- well, actually, after the plane crash, and they kissed that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They kissed for the last time. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, And then, but Billy says he can't get through this breakup without Allison. Why? Because she is his fallback. 
Yeah. And, and so he tells her, if things get ugly over there, you can always come back to my place. And then Allison walks in to talk to Brooke. Brooke knows, because she's been watching, that Allison is going to try to kick her out. So she starts playing, like, deathly ill. Right. So when Billy says, you can always come back to my place, he hands her a spare key with a soccer ball on it. Because we know that he's a soccer player. He loves soccer. So Brooke hears all of this. Allison comes in because she wants to deliver the news to Brooke to say, hey, you got to get out by the end of the week. That's when Brooke says, like, I'm sick. (laughs) I can't talk. I need to rest. But Allison leaves the key on the coffee table, and Brooke takes note of that. Have you ever been so sick that you can't listen to things? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What? (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe she just couldn't. Oh, just don't talk <laughs> or say words. I'm so sick. Ugh. So Allison's like, okay, fine. We'll talk about it in the morning, and then she goes back to bed. Um, but and they 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 really zoom in on that shot that like the key, the is, key there. is on the coffee table. Next morning. Brooks rocking old faithful. Well, I love how they kind of present this. So first, it's the next day, and we see Allison's old robe. Of course, Dan's favorite, the sun and the moon blue robe. And we just see a pair of feet walking away in slippers. And picks then, up the key. Yep. Walks out the door, is going down to Billy's apartment, and I think that they want us to think, that's got to be Allison, but everybody knows it's Brooke. I can't believe she's wearing Old Faithful. How dare she? We haven't seen this robe in like years, I think. It's been a long time. I need this robe. I need it. <laughs> if I can get one Melrose Place prop, it's Old Faithful. So she's she's made the trek. She's creeping into Billy's room, whoever this is, and she gets into bed. Disrobes. She's completely naked. Completely naked. And she starts kissing all over Billy. He's waking up like, Allison, oh, Allison, oh. And then he finally comes to and looks over at her and notices it's Brooke. How can you try? How do you think this is going to go? Sneak sex? How? Like, unless she came in with a blindfold and was like, put the song. <laughs> like, tried to, like, <laughs> muffle her voice. And then he and then he obliged and did that. Then maybe, maybe they could get away with, have, with her, like, having accidental sex. But this was always going to end like this, Well, sweetie. she's thinking that she could use her, like, sexy like woman prowess to win him back and he's like get away from me and she's like i love you i can still love you let me just show you let me show you get some clothes on and get out of my life (laughs) (laughs) ouch now sydney drives to bobby's and says that she is here to just be friends yeah. I don't get it. Why do you like why does she need to do this in person? How does she know where Bobby lives? I have so many questions. But she's driven over there. She catches Bobby after he's been out for a run and she's like, "Look, I just want to let you know I'm sorry. There is a certain someone that hired me to try to get you away from Amanda, but I feel wrong doing it." And he's like, "Huh? 
Could that certain somebody, could you tell me who that person is? And she's like, well, I could confirm or deny it if you say their name. Mm. And of course, first guess is Peter. Peter. Is it Peter? <laughs> Confirmed. Is it Peter? <laughs> it's, it's Peter. <laughs> Why are you here? Well, because every year I decide that I'm going to do one good thing for one person. And this is my thing this year. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, I guess we're friends. <laughs> but you can tell that she still has like a little soft spot for Bobby. She feels like he's the real deal. Like, really? When he picked you up by the scruff of your neck and literally threw you out of his office? Yeah. That's the mark of a nice guy. She wants it. That's what That's what sealed it for her. She's like, I need a guy who can pick me up by the neck. Can any of you all do that? Next morning. Well, it might be the same morning, no? Maybe it's the same morning, yeah. Yeah. Amanda comes to Allison's and sees that Brooke is also staying at Allison's. And Amanda just can't believe that Brooke lives there now. I think everybody's like, Allison, why are you doing this for Brooke? After everything she's done to you, like, why? Why would you even sleep under the same roof as her? Brooke hears all this shit and she comes out and she's basically like, fuck you, Amanda. And they get in a, like, they go back and forth for a minute. And Brooke says, I think this is like a famous quote from Melrose Place. Why? Why would I go to my lousy job and work for my bitch of a boss? Yeah. So we, so Amanda's like, you're fired. You're done. Do not come back in. One of, and then Brooke says, kiss my ass. Yep. Thank not, goodness. You know, it's that's not good to do when you desperately need money. Totally. And a place to live is to quit your job. And Allison is like, um, Brooke, hello, you're not making any friends here. Why are you acting like this? Yeah. So Brooke has been Brooke has burned basically every bridge. Right. It's a wrap. I hope she doesn't do anything to the robe. <laughs> Whatever you do, just don't hurt yeah. Old Faithful, please. Fuck up my apartment, right? Whore all over their walls. Just don't. But if one star is missing from Old, face, old faith, Faithful. <laughs> just don't you defile Old Faithful. God, say that four times fast. Don't you defile Old Faithful. Don't do it again. I won't. We're at Wilshire. Memorial. The hospital. Alan storms in to talk to Matt, and Alan's pissed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is all your fault, Matt. And he has, a, I guess, like an article where a photographer took a picture of them. And he's like, now the network's called me in. They want to talk to me. They're going to they're gonna fire me, Matt. It's all because I'm with you. And Matt, like, straight up doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he's like, what? I... You're homophobe. For well, sure. He's not wrong. No. He's like, look in the mirror. You don't even know who you are. Yeah, fuck Alan. Dude, I hate Alan so much. Just own it, man. If you're gay, you're gay. Who cares? Well, back in 97, was this 97 now? 96. It was a different world. People weren't as accepting. And not that, like, not that the vast majority of people are accepting. There are people out there that still have this kind of attitude. But what do you expect? You're a celebrity. You're a big time celebrity. You're getting well, camera. Inter- you're getting interviewed by camera crews. 
You go to the biggest dance-a-thon in Los Angeles, there's going to be a couple cameras around. You need to you need to realize that and know the risk that you're taking, which isn't much. So we are back at Alicia's, is Alicia's office or Bobby's office? Bobby's. It looks much more like a... A law office? Yeah, because it's got all these like Britannica books. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a lawyer too. <laughs> I got all these encyclopedias for free. So Alicia tells Bobby that she's going to be meeting Peter for dinner. And then Bobby's like, oh, actually, Alicia, you got to go to Palm Springs right now to meet somebody there. Sorry, you're going to have to cancel your date with Peter. And Alicia's very sad. She's like, oh, okay. Well, it's the least I could do. Let me call him and tell him that uh, that you're going to have to cancel. And he, he like covertly gets where the the date's gonna be from Alicia and and says that he will tell Bobby uh, tell Peter that she's not gonna Yeah, and I'd be like if I was her, I'd be like, No, I'll call him and tell him myself. But she's like, Okay, I'm heading off to Palm Springs now. He owns Alicia. Really, he does. I think Alicia's in the mob. She's on call all the time. Crazy that a defense lawyer is now this deep. Yeah. So Bobby shows up in place of Alicia at the dinner. And Peter's like, to what do I owe this pleasure? Um, Bobby says, look, if you want to mess with him, then you need to mess with him. And he wants him to cut Alicia loose. And Peter simply says no. He's like, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Now we head on over to Kimberly and Michael at the beach house, and they're having a dirty game of Scrabble on the bed. Yeah, what the hell is this? All they do is 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 smutty names like bra, love, kiss, jizz, <laughs> and they're kind of like they're laying, they're they're drinking champagne, they're having a nice little evening. Kimberly looks so hot. Yeah, Kimberly is wearing the like this style of sweater that I remember so well back in the late 90s. It's that like really fuzzy kind of material and they were half shirts and they were short sleeved. Mm-hmm. I swear they had them in like in every color at Deb. Um they were like the hot shit back then. That in oh god, what what was that? That store I'd always go to. Deb Contempo Casuals. Never heard of it. Ah, I used to go there all the time during this time frame. Contempo Casuals. Mm -hmm. Cool. So they are really getting into it. Um, They're playing. Michael spells out breasts. And (laughs) and then, like, they just, Kimberly's like, okay, you spelled breasts, so you win. And they start going at it. Right. And this is a little reminiscent of their salad sex from back in the day. They just kind of like go on top of the game and like throw all the letters everywhere. And Mm -hmm. then they're rolling off the bed. They're really like getting hot and heavy into it. He's got her. They're made for each other. I wonder how Sydney feels. I feel like Sydney and Michael are better suited for each other. Sydney, yeah, Sydney and Michael, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I feel like they're a better match. Yeah, 
Now, Amanda is home? Is, or no, she's at she's Bobby's. She's at Bobby's. And I love how everybody is drinking champagne in like every single scene. <laughs> Yeah. She's on her laptop working. Have you ever seen somebody work at a laptop with it open at that, that angle? Low? Nope. <laughs> it's like almost completely splayed open. Like someone I don't, who's never worked on a laptop. I don't know how you can see the screen at that angle. Uh, but she's working on it, and Alicia calls and she asks for Bobby because she wants to let Bobby know about. Uh, her meeting in Palm Springs and she's like, Oh, well, no, I'm sorry. Bobby's not here. And she's like, well, he's not in Palm Springs either. So uh, let him know. I called when he gets home. Then minutes later, Bobby walks in and Amanda's like, where have you been? I've been worried about you. And Bobby says, Oh, I just got back from Palm Springs. Liar. But she knows that's a lie because Alicia just let her know that he was not in Palm Springs. Yep. So now we know that Bobby is a bad person again. (laughs) I think that was something that we probably all knew all along. Nevertheless, it's movie night. It is movie night at Melrose Place. Jake, Jane, Billy, and Allison are on a double date furthest of the century. And... I want to dive deep into this, okay? Please. So it is movie night on February fifth. This air this aired on February fifth, nineteen ninety six. What you want to know what movie they are going to see? I want you to tell me what movie they're going oh, to see. Oh, geez, Louise. Okay. Here are the movies that came out in February of nineteen ninety six. Happy Gilmore, <laughs> Broken Arrow. Mm, I don't remember that. That's um, John Travolta and Christian Slater. Oh, okay, yep. Black Sheep. So good. White Squall. <laughs> Muppet Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan's First Strike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, City Hall. Never heard of it. Like There were not that good of movies out. But then, since this is early... You know, early February, there might have been a movie in late January that came out. So From Dusk Till Dawn might have still be in theaters. Oh, so good. Don't Be a Menace to South Central Mm, while drinking your juice in the hood. I love that movie, but they're not going to see that. I bet you, like, Allison was like, I want to see Jane Eyre. And the guys were like, Jackie Chan. And they're like, let's just do Happy Gilmore. I mean, Adam Sandler is great on Saturday Night Live. so good. He's so good. Yeah, I I wonder if they did. I think Happy Gilmore. That's what I'm putting my money on. You think they all went to go because see Happy Gilmore? Because it's a happy medium between everything that was out. Yeah. Yeah, they probably went to go see Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're off to go see Happy Gilmore, and Brooke shows up fucked up. She is drunk, and she sees them, and she's like, oh, great, two pea brains and a couple of sluts going out on the town, huh? Going somewhere? Brooke is crumbling. This is rock bottom for her, and this is a woman who's committed suicide. And the thing that I don't understand is, like, she is in such a bad state, and she's like... I hate you, Billy. I hate you. I mean, if you're Allison, you're walking away, but this deranged psychopath is going into your home. 
Yeah. Like, aren't you fearful that she could, I don't know, like rob you or mess up all your shit again? Or, I mean, obviously Allison is like dating Billy now. Like they're going out to a movie. Brooke saw them kissing. It's just kind of like, it is very bitchy of Allison to be playing both sides. That's one thing that I don't think that we're like, really touching on as much as we should. Yeah. All the shit that Brooke has done to Allison over the years is egregious, but she's like, I'll take care of you. I really care about your feelings. Stay with me. I'll let you wear my clothes. I like, I've got your back all the while. She's like dating her ex-husband. Sounds like you might be switching your bitch of the week pick. I've had a couple of <laughs> couple ideas. I think I'm good with one, but Al, I mean, that's pretty, pretty messed up. Yeah. And I don't know if I could just leave and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's that lady that like I'm pretending to be her friend and really like getting with her ex-husband. Yeah. So Brooke is so beside herself with just sadness she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have anybody in the world to help her. And she's, again, super drunk. She's kind of just like screaming out into the courtyard like, Why me? I don't have anything. That's just great. Nobody likes me. And she falls into the pool in this very weird angle. Yeah. Does this look weird to you? It's an angle. Like, I've just, I've got the scene queued up and she falls but, it but like she flips in midair. It's like she falls backwards, then she like flips over. No, she falls. She falls forward, but like it, it basically, it doesn't seem like from the from the wide shot, from the aerial shot, it doesn't look like her head would hit the uh, the side of the pool. Right. So she, how it did. Like she should just land straight in the pool. She falls into the pool and on the way down smacks her head on the side and then her lifeless body just submerges into the water. I wonder how they did this. Maybe they had her like lightly. It doesn't look like a dummy. No, it does look like her. Maybe she was in the pool and they had her like lightly bend over and like smack her head and then maybe they sped it up. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, she she bangs her head on the side of the thing. I think she's dead. Well, we thought she was dead last time. Now and she's she really wasn't. dead. she wasn't. So we, the last shot of this scene is Brooke underwater, completely passed out and... Her face is under. She's just doing the dead man float. And then we get credits. Executive producer Frank South. We have to wait a full week. You guys will probably have to wait for (laughs) 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 Oh, man. So that is the end of the episode. What a... That was long as hell. My brain feels like it's going to explode. It's just so much information. It's so much. So much happened. I mean... We had to record it in two different parts today, guys. Well, over last night and today. last night and this morning. I'm telling you, it's going to be over three hours long. Yeah. So, I mean, do we even attempt to recap? I wrote it down. I wrote some stuff down. You did? Yeah. Oh, who are you? Bobby and Amanda live.
Bobby hires Sydney to seduce Bobby away from Amanda. Bobby hires Sydney? <laughs> I thought Peter did. <laughs> you would be correct. Peter hires Sydney to seduce Bobby away from Amanda. Brooke gets locked out of her hotel. Jane sets up shop in Jake's garage. Bobby needs two million to save the cable company. And Amanda offers all of her earthly belongings so Billy can keep his stake in the company. Jake kicks Joe out of the garage for Jane's studio. Brooke moves in with Allison. Um, Michael and Kimberly get back together. Rich is going. Richard is going to see if to see to it that Jane never works in this town again. Jake and Jane fuck. Vic gets out of jail on a technicality, abducts Kimberly, but Michael saves her, and Vic blows up. Brooke goes bonkers. Um, Joe breaks up with Richard, but he jumps in the pool with his clothes on, so she takes him back. (laughs) I don't have any more. Peter and Alicia sleep together for pure lust. (laughs) (laughs) Billy and Allison are back on. Brooke sees and is hella jealous. Matt calls Alan homophobic. Bobby sends Alicia away and intervenes in her budding romance with Peter. Kimberly and Michael hook up. Amanda catches Bobby in a lie. And Brooke falls into the Melrose Place pool and knocks her head. Unconscious. Probably dead. 90s moments. I have Brooks Reebok workout gear. Oh, love that. Not Reeboks ma- were such a thing back then. Not many people rocking Reebok these days. Oh, the classic whites. Love mm-hmm. them. Um, the computer at the Beverly Hilton. Michael's use of phone mail. That pink frame in Bobby's house. Can you imagine framing anything in that like pale pink and putting it prominently on display in your living room? Nope. Me neither. Um, Bobby wears pinky rings. It's got to be 90s. <laughs> I have Bobby's fireplace in the middle of the room. Al- Allison's TV. Yeah, and the, and the TV in the hotel room. Um, I think the thin eyebrows. I feel like especially on Amanda. I'm sorry. Um, Brooke. Back like in the late 90s, that really the thin eyebrows were becoming like a really big thing. And I think that like they were doing that on Brooke. Mm -hmm. Alan's pinstripe suit. Joe's Y necklace and wide collar. The entire camera crew. (laughs) Alan's camera crew. That's all I got. Me too. Well, all of these episodes have a lesson that we can take. From the show and apply it to our daily lives. Jenny, what's your lesson? My lesson is, and we kind of touched on it earlier, don't work with your significant other. Nope. I think if you're a married couple, that's one thing. I mean, my parents worked together for a long time and they were good. Um, But I'm talking about like somebody that you could potentially break up with in a few months, like Brooke and Billy not working out. Now Billy is refusing to go to work until Brooke is fired. Richard, Jane, and Joe. That little love triangle has had all these issues because of their personal things, and it is impeding business. So I just think probably best not to mix those two worlds. I agree. 
Uh, my lesson is pools need fences. <laughs> you talk about this a lot, actually. There is way too many accidents with this communal pool. And this pool especially. If you had little ones running around, you need a fence around your pool. You need a gate around your pool. But if you're going to live in an apartment complex with a bunch of 20-somethings getting fucked up and fighting and impressing people, having chicken fights and barbecues and, 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 and fighting in, 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 in wedding, wedding gowns. Fence couldn't hurt. Fence could not hurt. It could only help. So now it's time for Bitch of the Week. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm a boss ass bitch. Last bitch, podcast. Bitch, 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 bitch. Jenny, you nominated Richard for Bitch of the Week. I nominated Brooke. And with a vote of 24 to 6, Richard is the bitch of the week. Jenny, Yay! Jenny, you won. Why, thank you. Um, okay, well, let's see what you guys said. Sherry says, I am going with Jenny Hill's choice for Richard as bitch of the week in this episode, hands down. The reason for Richard being bitch of the week is because the way he has treated Jane lately has been so wrong on so many levels. First, Jane finds papers Richard has drawn up by a lawyer to get Jane out of the business partnership she had with Richard behind her back when Richard should have been up front with Jane instead of going behind her back. And that was one hell of a bitch move on Richard's part. Richard tried to push Jane out of that business partnership and then decides not to pursue it all because Joe told him to Joe must have some sort of power over him to make him change his mind, but it was too late. Jane already found the papers beforehand. Not a good move, Richard, not to mention Richard going after Jane's ex best friend, Joe and sleeping with her. That must have really crushed poor Jane's heart. That was a bitch move as well. And on top of it, Richard tries to stop Jane from taking his own files when she finally decides to leave the company to venture out on her own. Who the hell does Richard think he is? He can't stop Jane from taking her own files. They belong to her, not Richard's company. The only reason Richard tried to stop Jane from taking her files is because he feels threatened by Jane's designs because he knows that they are way better than his designs. Not to mention Jane did land that account for Richard and he knows if Jane goes to venture on her own that she will succeed in the fashion business and his business will go down without her. So he tries to stop her from leaving the partnership by taking her files away from her? Richard, you are being a real bitch for sure. And just for that, Richard gets my vote for the bitch of the week in this episode 100%. And by the way, Dan and Jenny, there was only one original song heard in this episode. The song heard at the beginning of the opening shots of the episode were the song, I Can Love You Like That, by the hit 90s R&B group (sighs) All For One. I can love love you like like that. that. I I can can make you my world. world. If you were my girl. Wow. Just some little information I know you would love to know. Also, Dan, you really made me laugh this episode. Please die, Bobby. That was so funny. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> ha ha. You are so good at renaming episodes, Dan. 
You are. Thank you. Um, you and Jenny made my night. I just love you guys. This is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Oh, Sherry, you are so Man. sweet. Thank you. Thank you for all that information. Noah says, like most characters on this show, Richard is a complete narcissist. However, unlike the other narcissists on this show, Amanda, Michael, and Peter mostly, Richard has been a bore to watch for from day one. We first meet him riding the back of Mackenzie's talent, and then he does the very same thing to Jane. Richard's the reason the term empty suit exists. Uh, he's also responsible for making Joe unwatchable. Agreed. I, I remember praying to the Melrose gods back in the day for both Richard and Bobby to have a quick death, <laughs> preferably off camera, so I wouldn't have to see their stupid faces. The only redeemable thing about about Richard that we get to hear Dan's on point impression of him. Dan, it is so good. Richard is like my favorite one. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I really appreciate the way that you tell me I do a good Richard. <laughs> okay, Nikki says Richard's being a dick because he's nothing but a walking penis. Why do you think he has that accent? Because his voice has to come out that tiny penis. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Nikki, you are hilarious. Damn. Heatherina says Richard is just terrible. He really has no talent. And now we see that Mackenzie, his wife, was the talent. Jane was the talent, and without her, he's nothing. Richard knows it, and Joe knows it. Otherwise, Joe wouldn't wouldn't have been trying to get Jane to help Richard. Here's your information about truth serum. Yes. Yes! Thank you. Heatherina always has, like, the medical perspective. Hell yeah. You're awesome. All right, here we go. Truth serum. Yes, it exists, and it was used a long time ago. There are different chemicals taken from truth serum, and are in various medications, even alcohol. Basically, it slows down the speed of how the body sends messages from the spine to the brain. In other words, it would be difficult to concentrate on a task or activity. You need that concentration to make up a lie. Truth serum doesn't work on everyone, especially someone who is a pathological liar, like Kimberly. (laughs) Um, here's an answer to your other question about doctors giving each other shots. The answer is yes. Never gave anyone B12 shots, but I've had the benefit of working in a clinic, so I had access to everything. I can't tell you how often my colleagues ask me to check their urine and blood. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of equipment is utilized by doctors and nurses. Since B12 isn't a narcotic, Michael would have easy access to it. And by the way, if you want to get the truth from someone, you don't need truth serum. Just wait until they are nodding off and they reach that in-between point of consciousness and sleep. It's the same effect. Wow. Whoa. Mind blown, Heatherina. Great info. Tara says, I voted for Richard just because he is a no-talent-ass clown. The way he treats Jane is terrible. If it was not for Jane, Richard would have nothing. RC so sa- true. It is very true. RC says, Brooke is the bitch of the season. Not arguing with that. Jamie says, Richard is definitely the bitch this week. His only talent is being manipulative and using talented women to get ahead. 
Totally. Donald says, it's Brooke all the way again this week. Why? Because she manipulated Billy into a relationship with her, then into marriage, and is completely surprised that he doesn't want to be with her when their whole relationship is built on lies. I don't understand why she wanted Billy in the first place. And not only that, but I don't understand why would why would you ask Allison for help with Billy at all after everything she's done to Allison makes no sense. Can't wait to see what you guys think of the two-hour mid-season finale. I watched it already. It's so good. <laughs> okay. Fuck, it was a long-ass episode, man. <laughs> okay. So much to take in. So much. So Scott says... I like Brooke. I hope nothing bad happens to her in the next episode. Scott, (laughs) I really hope you're joking right now. Nice covert spoiler. Matt gets more tail than a boring angry man should get. (laughs) I guess his new man is going to be, rolls the random selector of bad tropes, a con man who steals people's livers and sells them to the Chinese mafia. (laughs) Or David. It could be as crazy as that. Kenya says, Richard, you cheesy bitch of the week. He is such a big man, baby. First he first he pouts that Jane doesn't love him enough and then hooks up with her BFF, Joe. And I agree with Jenny that Joe is a is a runner up this week for bitch of the week because really what the fuck is the staff photographer doing in that conversation? Bitch, go shoot some blurry photos on the beach. Thank you. <laughs> I can't stand those two. Although Dan's Richard impression is comedy gold, so that makes the character worth it. P.S. Jenny was right that my name is pronounced Kenya. Yeah, yes. Okay, Kenya. Thank you guys for the great podcast. It's worth the wait. Keep them coming. Oh, thanks, Kenya. Appreciate it, Kenya. Okay, Paul says, it's got to be Jenny Hill's boy Richard Hark this week. I mean, he's swiping boxes from a paralyzed woman with a cane. Also, how is he in fashion? He's always wearing bright blue suits that make him look like a Batman villain. Richard puts the D in Mancini Hart designs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brian says, she's needy. She's greedy. She's Brooke. Love it. Gregory says, I don't even care what she did, but I voted for Brooke this time for the only reason that a dozen episodes ago, she snooped around Amanda's secret files, found out about Jack Parisi, brought him back to LA and started the chain of events that led us to having to put up with John Enos's the thirds dull performance as Bobby Parisi every episode for that Brooke is the bitch of the week, the bitch of the season, and the bitch of the universe. Here, here. Gregory could not agree with you more. Hella bitch. Hella. All right, Jenny. Who's your bitch of this week? Dan, I had a hard time nailing one down. As you know, I started out with Richard, but then you reminded me, you picked Richard last week. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, it could have been the- Allison. I mean, the way that Allison is flip-flopping on Brooke, even though Brooke deserves it, but that's a bitchy thing to do. But I've settled on Alan this week. <laughs> I Alice, Alan's hate Alan. I hate this guy. Okay, I get it. You know, Alan, maybe you don't want to be as upfront about your sexuality to the world. Okay, everybody has 
that choice to make about who they want to tell about their sexuality. And you know what? It's not something that the world needs to know. If you want to keep it private, you want to keep it private. But you know what? Your partner has voiced to you that this is a very important thing to him. And if you guys aren't on the same page about that, it's going to be a very difficult road for you. And I think the fact that he is telling Matt to his face, oh no, Matt, you're the only one for me. I like, I am not homophobic. I totally love myself and I love our relationship. Yet he goes to work every day and calls Matt his roommate. That is so disrespectful. That, I mean, that, that's a terrible thing to say about somebody that you love, not to own up to the fact that he's more than that. I mean, it's one thing to tell your work colleagues. It's another thing to tell the whole world. Okay. I, I get that, but Matt, it's his apartment and Alan has the gall to set up an interview in Matt's apartment without talking to Matt about it first. That is a bitch move. Okay. And then when Matt walks in to say, yeah, this is my apartment. Isn't it great? I love it so much. Oh, here's my roommate. And am I in a relationship? No, I'm single and loving it. That is horrible. (laughs) And then plus he's always making Matt wait. So he just is manipulating Matt all the time. Matt's asked him to move out a few times. He does not take that for an answer. And then Matt's like, please just come to the dance-a-thon with me. Matt's waiting outside at his car for how long? I don't know. But then when stupid Alan finally decides to show up, that's when they can go in. And then the way that he treated Matt about some photographer taking a photo of them and saying, it's all your fault. You know what? Fuck you, Alan. Uh, Fuck you, Alan. (laughs) You can't, if you can't be in a relationship with someone and you want to keep them a secret, you don't deserve Matt and you need to get out of this show. You're a stupid bitch and I hate you so much. Wow. Alan, Alan's pretty terrible. He sucks. I hate him. That's for sure. Okay. So who did you choose? My bitch of the week this week is Billy Campbell. (gasps) Here's why. And it was hard. Um, everyone knows I hate Billy, but the way, like, there's a way to break up with somebody and like, just the way he treats Brooke, he, he not like you just like, just be done with her. Like, don't give her the time of day, but he demands that she be fired. He demands that Allison kick her out of the house and he doesn't even offer like any sort of money or help or the apartment um, until Allison tells him like, Hey, be nice. The girl did just try to kill herself the other day. And you cut off first. Like, I don't, I don't buy it that Brooke doesn't have any freaking money, but you cut her credit card. Like the day after you kicked her out of the house or, or, or like a few days afterwards, not cool, man. That's pretty vindictive and pretty bitchy. Uh, or just like, can't you like get your credit like split from her credit? Do you have to cancel the actual card? I don't know. I don't want to find out. But, um, and then he immediately tries to get with Allison. So bitchy. 
just really bitchy. I don't like the way he's handling the divorce. I don't like how he threw her, how he like takes another, like you, you're beating her while she's down. She's got nothing. And you make fun of Lowell and you, 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 you talk shit on her in the meeting. It's not cool. Billy, you're the bitch this week, bro. Well, you guys tell us. Take to our Facebook page. Vote in the poll. Let us know what you think. Who is the bitch? Is it Billy? Or is it Alan? Or is it somebody else we didn't mention? There were a lot of contenders this episode, and we'd love to hear your opinions on it. This episode was called No Lifeguard on Duty. We might be able to do better. Nope. (laughs) Jenny, what's your terrible rename? How about some soda water? What? (laughs) That's your... I don't even get it. For the stain on Sydney's dress. How about some soda water? Yep. Whoa. (laughs) That's it. Your rename is offering (laughs) remedies for stains? Exactly. This is is a two-hour, like, (laughs) mid-season finale. Your rename is a cleaning tip? You're joking. I'm so serious. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That scene really stuck with me. How about some soda water? (laughs) Well, Dan, I mean, what's yours? Did you do any better? Everyone knows you call it club soda when you're going to (laughs) clean. Oh, they do? They're like, oh, a little club soda. They always say that. (laughs) No one says a little soda water on that. Club soda. Well, I guess club. I guess as you hey, say it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's your title. That's your your rename. How about some soda water? That's what I'm going with. Great. Okay. How about yours? My rename makes sense, and it's probably the most important scene in the whole damn show. Oh, okay. What is it? It's called Off the Deep End. Congratulations, Daniel. Thank you. Thank Good you very work. much. Um. Yep. Off the deep end. So predictions what you what's gonna happen i didn't even write anything down <laughs> <laughs> you're burnt you're burnt it's like i don't even know this has thrown me so many curveballs i want to say brooke is dead but history has taught me that she probably isn't she might have a ghost episode <laughs> that would be <laughs> like read <laughs> i mean if you think about it sydney could be home Amanda could be home. Jake could be home. Joe could be home. Jake could not be home. He, he just oh, went to the movie. <laughs> I forgot. Um, he went to go see Happy okay, Gilmore. Well, I said other people could be home. So they could, I think, be open the episode next up with like people running to Brooke's aid because they heard her being like, why does my life suck before she fell in? Yeah, maybe. So I think maybe they fish her out. She's okay. I want the opening scene of the next episode to be like next morning and like (laughs) birds are like pecking at her (laughs) in the pool. (laughs) And then it's just like, what are all these crows doing here? And her eyes are pecked out. Oh my God, Dan, you're getting dark. (laughs) Uh, My predictions, Sydney's going to bang Bobby. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I think they're going to hook up. That is going to send Amanda down a down a path of destruction. Toward Peter? Against Bobby. 
but Bobby stole all her money. So now Amanda's going to be like the broke one. Mm. And she might need she might need help from Peter to like invest in the cable company and then Peter ends up owning it or something. I don't know. Don't I don't there's something weird with that because I don't see Amanda being this person who's like you can have all my money. Yeah, I agree. You know. Um Brooke is dead. 100 she is totally dead, I think. Uh, Allison and Billy are back together and I think Amanda gets jealous of that again. What? Yeah. And I think somehow Richard and Joe break up and wishful thinking, maybe Alan kills himself. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. I think Alan's going to break up with Matt because it's messing with his career. It's just not working out, is it? And it's not working Matt out. Matt is going to get with that eagle muppet looking motherfucker. Damn. Like we all know it. We all know it. Eagle face? <laughs> David? Yes. Hey. How you doing, man? You want to get some coffee? <laughs> Let's go to this dance-a-thon. God. Jesus. Where's Rhonda when you need her? God. We could just let off some steam in her classes. Yeah. Um. Oh, I had a random 90s moment I didn't say. Unplugging a jukebox and the like the cord for the jukebox being accessible to the public. Have I you I think that's still the case, dude. Have you ever seen a the the plug of a jukebox. Yeah, if you went behind it, I think you'd see it. It's never it's never accessible. That's poor that's a poorly nineties setup. Okay. So that's my predictions. Alright, guys. Well, it's been real. So thanks for listening. To like four hours of this. Yeah. Wow, if you made it this far, you are a trooper. Congratulations. This part two that we've recorded is already at an hour and fifty. Oh great. Damn. <laughs> So, if you like what you heard, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at MelrosePod. Our email is MelrosePod at gmail.com. Hit us up with any questions, comments, or concerns. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash MelrosePod. If you want to give us a dollar, that would be really cool. Cause or like 10. Or like... Don't limit it to a dollar. Fuck it. If you want to just empty your bank account... And be like, here you go. We will crank these episodes out daily. <laughs> Just pile it on, as Matt would say to uh, his dead other boyfriend. Remember that? What? Someone shared that the other day. Um, Paul, mm-hmm. when they had dinner together, mm-hmm. Paul was like, do you like Szechuan chicken? And Matt looks at him, he's like, pile it on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the night. I wish you could guys see Dan's face as he says that. Pile it on. (laughs) You're too funny. Hit us up. We love smut. And we love you.